Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. All right, welcome back to Shoot Me Straight with Dave and Eddie. Today we have a very special guest that uh, I'm beyond stoked for um, to have on. Um, we got some really awesome news to uh, tell everybody, but uh, I just want to uh, go over how I came in uh, contact with Keelan. Um, I had Ke- or I heard Keelan on the uh, Cleared Hot podcast with uh, my buddy Andy Stumpf. Heard her tell her story, um, and it was inspiring. Um, it was also frustrating to hear, but, um, you know, after hearing her story, I reached out to her through social media, um, and said that, you know, we wanted to get behind and support her through our, uh, Pipe Hitter Foundation. And, uh, ever since then we've been rocking and rolling and, um, now we're here. We got Keelan here on the podcast. And, um, like I said, I'm, I'm beyond excited. So Keelan, thank you for coming. Um, and I'll let you take it from here. Um, so where are you from? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me down. Um, (laughs) it's, it's just overwhelming and surreal because of what's going on, you know, in the last 24 hours. But, um, my name's (laughs) Keelan Darby. Uh, my husband is William Benjamin Darby. He goes by Ben. Um, we've been married since 2016, and we both started our police careers at separate departments in 2016. So we we started in law enforcement that February, and then we got married that October. So our whole, most of our uh, engagement and everything leading up to our marriage was, he was at, I was at the academy, um, separated from him during the week and then I'd come home on the weekends and we would do wedding planning and everything that goes into Mm -hmm. your wedding. And then, um, his Academy Huntsville's is in house. So he went home every night and then went to the Academy where I was away. So, um, we both graduated the Academy July of 2016, about two weeks apart from each other and hit the road with FTO. So field training, um, and, we're eating it by the spoon. You know, we love we love policing. It's a great career. There's a lot of highs and there are some lows during it, but um, it's a very fulfilling career. <coughs> and so um, we got married that October, and we just were figuring out life and married together and not really seeing each other because of our shift different schedules. And um, we were rocking and rolling, enjoying life. And then um, April of 2018... Ben was on duty for Huntsville Police Department. Uh, He worked second shift, so that was 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. And he worked West Precinct, so the western half of Huntsville. Mm -hmm. Just fairly, fairly large. And uh, a call came out over the radio. So second shift is always the busiest. You're just running call to call. There's really no downtime. When's second shift? Is that like... Two to ten, or yeah, so two p.m. to ten p.m. Okay, so he would get he would go into work. He'd leave around one one fifteen, get to shift, get go through shift brief. Um, if anything happened during first shift hours that needed to be passed on, they would discuss it, and then he would go to his area within the West Precinct and patrol. Is the calls. West is the West Precinct of Huntsville? 
uh, like a worse part of town, or I'm not familiar with. Um, this. I'm there's good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I don't work there, so I don't know it as well as my city. Mm-hmm. Um, but Huntsville's broken down into north, south, and west precinct. So instead of having like one department or one, I get yeah, just one building like I do at mine. Um, they have three different areas that people can go to to make a police report. Uh, just because the city is so big. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but he was west, and it's busy. He was leaving a call, and he needed to go to the precinct to download his video. And while he was going there, uh, the dispatcher was like, I need units to clear up. We have calls holding. And um, two officers cleared up. It's uh, Officer Pegues and Officer Beckles. And um, dispatch had relayed over the radio that uh, someone had called 911 and they said, I'm fixing to blow my brains out. The front door's open. Mm-hmm. And so that's a suicidal by cop call. Um, that's an ambush call. That's what an officer would think uh, after hearing those details. Yeah. So those two officers, um, they cleared up from the call that they were on and they went to it. And so the dispatcher was trying to maintain the connection with um, Jeffrey Parker is the, is the man's name. And uh, as soon as he had told her, you know, I'm going to, f- I'm fixing to blow my brains out, the front door's open, she said, Well, stay on the line. We're going to get you some help. And you can hear in the recording him say, No thanks. Click. And he hangs up on her. Mm-hmm. Um, dispatch tries to make connection with him several times, and he doesn't, he won't answer the phone. And so the dispatcher is relaying all this information over the radio to Piggies and Beckles. And Officer Beckles got on the radio and said, hey, if there's any other available units, please be en route. And when you work with someone, and you would know this from your military experience, mm-hmm. you can hear the inflection in their voice when they're worried about something or something just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And Ben heard that in Beckles' voice when he had broadcasted that. He wanted more officers there. So uh, Ben stopped going to the precinct to download his stuff because that, that could wait. You know, an officer will need some help. So he went to the call. And nationwide in policing, and I, I mean, I've gone through this same training, and you can ask any police officer, if you're dealing with an individual who's armed, and as far as you know, there's no one no one else in the house or the building with them, um, you don't go inside that building. Because as an officer, you don't know, you're going into their castle. So you don't know how everything's set up. You don't know the ins and outs of it like they do. Mm-hmm. So you're at a bigger disadvantage. And you always want to be at a at an advantage when you're dealing with a bad guy. Yeah. So would you initiate like a call out um, type scenario? Yeah. So first, um, you know, we're trained to park several houses away. And you would, be, you would set up a perimeter yep. and make contact over the phone. Tell dispatch, hey, call him back. See if you can get him online and get him to walk out with his hands up without without a weapon. Um, if they say he has, if they sometimes they'll say they have a weapon, um, you could you could make the uh, thought that he did because he said he was ready to blow his brains out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it were me, I would have said I would have got there, set up a perimeter, and told dispatch have him walk up walk outside with his hands up, mm-hmm. not without a weapon, and just try to make contact with him that way, um, and then. If you needed to go further and call out SWAT or negotiators, 
or more assets, then you would do that. Um, but you would lock down a perimeter, and you would not go inside. You say lock down. I'm, I'm, I'm the. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to be the civilian in this <laughs> in this podcast, big time. <laughs> perimeter. You're talking about. I think of. Hey, you put cones up around the street, and you're telling no one to come inside this zone, and you're hiding behind a like the door of your car or something like that with your gun pointed, because you don't know how they're going to come out. Yeah, pretty much. So like, um, he was in his house. So I would. I would have parked a couple houses down, and that's exactly what Ben did. He parked a few houses down. Um, he grabbed a shotgun because a shotgun is uh, more beneficial than a pistol in a distant situation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he had done that on several calls prior because people call the police every day and say they want to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a it's not a new concept. It happens every day. So he's gone. He had gone <laughs> to several calls where they had set up a perimeter. And either had a, someone would have a long gun, and they would call the person out. Mm-hmm. So he got there, and he didn't see his those two officers outside. He saw one of them in the house, and then he saw um, Beckles was standing in the doorway. So he's in essence he's trapped in between. He can't go anywhere. He's stuck in that door. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can move in and out, but he's he's confined. Yeah. So um, Ben runs up there, and. He's trying to get his gun out of the out of the rack in his car. He finally gets it out. He runs up there, sees Piggy is in the door in the room with a guy who has a gun to his head, and her gun is pointed down at the ground. So at any moment, he's the back Parker's like this, right? Mm-hmm. At mo- any moment he could go like that. Yeah. And your reaction, you t- tell me right now when I'm going to move my gun. Uh. Like, right? <laughs> it's that fast yeah. okay and so we're trained like action <clears throat> is faster than reaction and ben and i both went through a three-day fbi survival course teaching that concept of action is faster than reaction and we actually went through a scenario where same thing they, the bad guy had a gun to his head and you had to react try to react because you can't i'm going to beat you every time yeah. or the actor is going to beat the reactor every time but try how, how to. Come they didn't ha- how come they didn't have the guns pointed? Isn't that? Even, so a, there's, there's been a study done where even if I have my gun on you, I'm not going to process you moving the gun towards me fast enough, fast fast enough, enough yeah. to get my shot off to defend myself. So she's out in no man's land, and you can see it on the video. She's in the house, and she's got, she's 20 feet away from a guy with a gun to his head. Her gun's pointed at the ground. And she's got a couch in between her and him, hmm. which isn't going to stop a bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, Beckles is in the doorway, somewhat behind the brick covering of the of the house, but he's still not in the best spot. And so um, Ben gets up there, and Piggy's is trying to talk to Parker, and she's sucking air, sucking wind, not giving direct commands. Uh, we don't want to hurt you. Why do you want to kill yourself? Um, what's going on today? Is everything okay? Never tells him to drop the gun. Never puts her I mean, gun. I'm sorry. No, you're is fine. that even her job to ask those questions or to act as like a negotiator? some type of negotiator? No. That's okay. No. If it would if it was done properly, they would have said all, you can say all that outside behind cover, yeah. not in no man's mm-hmm. land. 20 feet 20 away. 20 feet away from a guy who can shoot you that quick. In his house. In his house. I mean, they had every right to be there because he called. It was a call for service. They didn't just. They weren't just driving down the road and oh look, 
he's got a gun to his head. Let's go in there and help him. Yeah, like he yeah. Parker called nine one one. He said, "I'm about to blow my brains out. The front door's open." So, because people have made that comment, well, you know, they shouldn't have been there. Um, they had no reason to be there. No, Parker called. He he initiated the yeah. call for service for police to be there. Do you feel though that I mean them because they they did have the right to be there, mm-hmm. um, but by them making entry and having this conversation with him, you know, and not really having it under control that they themselves sort of escalated the situation into a um, absolutely like hey we don't know what's going to happen now instead of forming that perimeter around side outside absolutely yeah because they're yes they had the right to be <clears> there <throat> but they're injecting themselves into something they yep. don't necessarily have to yet. You know, if it if the situation had changed and there was another person in there, which we found out later there was, um, and I'll get to that, but it can change that fast. Yeah. But at the time, all they knew was it was him. So you watch the video. She walks up to the house. Her gun's pointed at the ground the whole time. She opens the door, and she's like, Huntsville police. Mm-hmm. And then to her right, she hears Parker. I don't know if he says, hey, I'm over here, or hey there, or whatever. And you can see her look, and she sees him, and he's sitting on the couch with his gun to his head. Mm. And she thinks it's okay to just waltz right in there and talk to him. Um, she tells Beckles that, hey, he's got a, cunt, he's got a gun. Um, he, the traffic is um, 10-3. He's, he's got a gun, meaning emergency traffic only. So every police officer on West Precinct is no longer allowed to talk on the radio because they've got a no-crap situation. Mm. So... Um, Ben gets there, sees that he tells her he can point or point your gun at him. He can shoot you. Right. Cause she's just standing there not defending herself at all. So you can see on her body camera, she steps deeper into the house, which if you're a police officer, you feed off of each other's movements. So if they move into something deeper, that's a silent invitation for, Hey, I need help. I'm making room for you. Yeah. And you can yeah. ask any cop that and they're going to, they're going to say, yeah, that's what that means. Yeah. So um, Ben and Beckles both make entry, and Ben immediately puts his shotgun on him and says, drop the gun, put the gun down. And uh, Parker says, no, I'm not, no, not going to do it. And so then Piggies and Beckles, I think, are both saying, please put the gun down, you know, trying to be – there's a time to be nice and there's a time to be stern and make sure that the person that you're dealing with understands that they have to follow the directions you're giving you. And we're – we're told that from kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. Follow directions and everything's going to work out okay. Yeah. Regardless of if you agree with them or not. But if it's a direction from a police officer and they're giving you a lawful command, which Ben did mm-hmm. a total of seven times, he, Parker was given lawful commands to drop the gun. He didn't do it and he, bad things happened. He told him seven times before he shot yeah. Parker was given seven commands. I think Ben either said three or four of those. To drop the gun. So Ben gets in there, shotgun on him, drop mm-hmm. the gun. No, I'm not going to do it. Ben says, I'm not going to tell you again, drop your gun. He says, no, I'm not dropping it. Shrugs his shoulders in that slight movement of the gun coming forward. Ben was able to recognize that quick enough and get his shot off. Because yeah. he was already on target with him. So... He shoots him. He goes up, clears up to Parker, um, puts him in cuffs because we're trained to do that. 
uh, move the gun away from the suspect, mm-hmm. and then he gets on the radio, offender's 10-7, meaning he's, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's coming now. Shots fired. You know, everyone's coming to s- help and see what they can do. And uh, the gun that Parker had was a flare gun painted black. But you tell me which one. You know, it's that split second. Yeah. Tell me which one is real, you know. And so, um, but it was loaded with buck, with buckshot. Mm. So, if he wanted to shoot them, which he had made that movement towards them to shoot them, all three of them would have gotten shot because of the, the shortness of that barrel and the distance they were a- away from each other. Would a flare gun even <coughs> shoot buckshot? Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, I mean, it would have shot. Wow. He, he compromised it to make it shoot. I mean, even if he was holding a Nerf gun, I mean, the deal is he called 911 and says, I'm going to blow my brains out. You come in and you have something. You can't, I mean. I can't, I'm not going to take the time to really make sure, is that really a gun or not? Like, my life's more important. I will deal with the consequences after that. Not only your life, but the other your, officer's, your lives, other officer's lives. And that's what I don't think people understand. Because I've, I've seen comments or I've heard some, like, descriptions, like, oh, he was too aggressive by, you know, yelling at him, telling him, you know, he swore at him. Right. But what people don't understand is once you're put in a situation like that, like you said, there's there's a time to be nice, but when the individual has a gun and you're 20 feet away, 15 feet away, that is a high stress, mm-hmm. a dangerous situation. And, yeah, you do have to resort to being aggressive and really giving commands like that because – if you end up being nice and being lackadaisical, You're dead. that could cost you your life or your, you know, your uh, fellow officers their lives. So it's, um, I mean, it's it's completely understandable mm-hmm. why that happened. If you're trained and you understand the training of a police officer, yeah, which wasn't allowed in his trial, and we'll get to that. Yep, you would understand why he did what he did. How come they didn't? So from the get go, before you move on. How come they didn't set up the, I mean, because if he arrived later, they're already in the house. He's good. I, I, I feel like I would have done the same thing. I would have grabbed my gun. I'd go in there. I'd be, I mean, I'm not a police officer, but mm-hmm. I, I'd feel like, hey, listen, that's just natural. This guy has a gun. I have two of my fellow officers in, in his house. He called 911 saying that he's about to blow his brains out. Like, I'd be in there to like, hey, you got, you have to put that gun down. Any reasonable officer, and the keyword there is reasonable, yeah. would not have gone <laughs> in that house. Yeah. Okay, but you have two unreasonable officers who thought, oh, we'll just waltz in here and talk to him, like we're telling you someone how to turn and go down yep. the road, and that's not like that's not the situation that they had. You know, it was. I'm calling 911. I'm about to blow my brains out. The front door is open. That's an ambush. Like if that's it all day, that's an ambush. I am waiting for, I have a gun and I am waiting for you to get here. And my mind's messed up because I want to kill myself. If you're suicidal, you're homicidal. That's a proven fact. So, um, Ben shoots him. He dies immediately. Um, everyone gets there. Ben's gun is taken from him. And he is told to sit in a car and wait. I'm at work while this is all going on, doing my thing in my town. And I was going to an alarm call. And he called me and he said, uh, 
hey, babe, are you busy? And I was like, I'm going to a call, but what's up? And he said, uh, just know that I'm okay. And I was like, what did you wreck again? Because on <laughs> when, he, when he was in FTO, when he was in training, he had wrecked out a car. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to go to the hospital for that. The only time you go to the hospital as a police officer is if you get injured, if you wreck a car, because you have to go get a piss and blood test to make sure you're not intoxicated. And then um, if you get involved in a shooting for the same reason, you have to go get test done. And so um, I was like, oh, did you wreck again? And I laughed, you know, and he's like, no, I, <laughs> no, I didn't wreck, but just know that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got to go. And I was like, all right, I love you, bye, you know. And I'm like, crap, what's wrong? And then it hit me. I was like, he's okay, but he has to go to the hospital. He didn't wreck. He's been involved in a shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only reasonable other answer that could that could be. So I answered the call. It was nothing, you know cleaning crew set the alarm off cleared called my sergeant and I said uh I gotta go home something just happened can't talk about it but I'm 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 out I'm out I'll see you when I see you he's like okay deal with whatever you need to deal with so um I went home and patiently waited for him to get there he's because he I didn't want to go to Huntsville because I didn't know what his if I was even allowed to see him, you know, I didn't know what was going on at that point. And there was no news coverage over it. You know, sometimes usually when there's an officer involved shooting, the news will say, Oh, police just shot a suspect. We're gaining more details. Like there was nothing like that out there. Um, and I knew I, he said, I can't talk, just know that I'm okay. So, um, I waited, it was like 10 30, 11 o'clock. Maybe, um, he comes home and you can just tell, you know, he's stressed out because, of the shooting and uh I said are you good and he said yeah I'm good I said you want to talk about it he said no I said all right let's go to bed so he was off for three days um with my schedule it ended up that that was my day three of work so I would I worked 312 so the next three days I was off anyway which I would have taken off regardless but we had three days together and um we got up the next morning and went hiking and just kind of chilled out and I let him I was like I don't know what happened but when you're ready to talk about it, you know, I'm here. And uh, so he told me what happened, and he got called in to get investigated, like, for the interview and everything. And uh, I go back to work. He's on admin leave, so he's not allowed to go to work, but he's still getting paid. And then um, as soon as I go back to work, we got done with shift meeting, and my lieutenant was like, hey, Darby, I need to talk to you. So I go into his office, and he's like, shut the door. I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, what happened with your husband? I was like, I don't know, and I even if I did, I can't talk about it. Yeah. You know, and uh, he just looked at me, and he's like, all right. He's like, well, if you need something, you know, I'm here. Because he had been involved in, not, not in a shooting, but in use of force where it got called into question, and he was cleared. But just because of the climate and everything, he was still investigated. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, I go about my day, do my thing. A couple weeks go by, Ben goes through the investigation internally with Huntsville, which was standard procedure at the time. So they do an incident review board, and um, that's comprised of a bunch of brass within Huntsville Police Department, the district attorney, the prosecutors at Madison County, at the district attorney's office, um, there's some civilians in there. Um, Huntsville legal team or Huntsville legal department 
for the city is in there. So everyone's looking at it and trying to figure out, is it justified? Was his use of force justified? And after looking at everything, they found Ben to be 100% justified in his actions and how he used force because of the policy and procedures and the state law and the Supreme Court case law that police are trained in mm-hmm. or trained by. And then they found Piggies and Beckles um, not justified, meaning they were sent to remedial training for lack of threat assessment, and then they were also disciplined. So they had to go through remedial training to uh, and go through the training of, this is what a threat looks like, and this <laughs> is what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. when someone has a gun. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if it's pointed at you or the ground or themselves, this is what you should have done, and this is how you should act in the future. Mm. Ben did not have to go through any of that. He, did, he was never it put in trouble, he never disciplined, never went through remedial, nothing. Because he did exactly what he was trained to do. Right, he did exactly what he was trained to do. And exactly what we're still trained to do in yeah. Alabama. <laughs> Let me make that clear. And we'll I'll get yeah. to that in a second. <clears throat> so um, they all get reinstated, put back on the street. This is, I think it was April, end of April, like April 23rd, April 24th. So he's back rocking and rolling second shift, answering calls, doing his thing. And Memorial Day weekend-ish, we get he gets called into the chief's office. And the chief says, hey, we have to put you on admin duty. So he's still working. Um, where you're on admin duty, effective immediately, the DA is looking to charge you with murder. So Ben calls me. I'm at work. He calls me. He's like, hey, if you hear anything, this is what's going on. And I was like, well, how? Like, you were you were cleared. It was considered a justified shooting. Um, the investigation, like, you were investigated. I mean, he had to do a full interview, you know, with a detective. Um, And after that interview, the detective told him, don't let anyone Monday morning quarterback you. You did exactly as you were trained. You did exactly the right thing. And then he shook Ben's hand. And and he he was like, they're looking at charging me. And so it comes out later that the district attorney and the chief were going back and forth. And the DA said, if you just fire him, we won't press charges. And why? So, why would the DA have an interest in getting Ben fired or coming after him after he'd already been cleared? Yeah, that's a good question because he was part of the clearing board. Like he was in the room when they made the decision to mm-hmm. clear him. Um, I've never been able to get a clear answer on this. Mm. Supposedly, there's beef between. The prior, ch- he's no longer the chief anymore, but McMurray and Broussard. Um, I've heard it's a money issue. I've heard they just don't get along. I've heard the climate at that time. You oh, know, yeah. everyone, well, which that plays into it. This during was, the Ger- George Floyd, all that. So his trial was, uh, the shooting was in 2018. So it was still anti-cop. Yep. Um, you had, I don't know if Breonna Taylor, I don't remember if that happened then or if it was after that. But There was a lot of stuff that happened around There was a lot going on, them. and it was anti-cop, and all cops are bad, and all cops hate black people, and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Which, this his shooting, there's no racial element. It's yeah. a white, 49-year-old white male, and then Ben was 25, I think, at the time. And he's obviously white, so, like, there's no, there's no racial element to this. Um, so they're going back and forth. 
fire him and we won't press charges. No, I'm not going to do that. He followed all his training, applicable law, policy, procedure, blah, blah, blah. So um, the district attorney convenes a grand jury. So that's something that's secret. It's not made public. Um, We didn't know that a grand jury was being formed because Ben at this point is a suspect in a crime of murder, which it's not murder. Um, August 3rd, 2018, I get a phone call from Ben. I'm in the gym, and he said, meet me at my parents' house. I have to go turn myself in. They're, they're, they they true build the indictment. I'm going to be charged with murder. True build. So um, when you go to an indictment, you can either true bill or no bill, and that's basically is yes, we want to proceed with charges, or no, we don't. So a true bill would be the yes, we're proceeding mm-hmm. with charges, or as the charges that, that they suggested. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I immediately start crying again, <laughs> run to his parents, um, figure out what is going on, and we go to, so Huntsville Police Department, the jail, the county jail is connected to headquarters. So you have headquarters, and then you have three different precincts, and the jail and the headquarters are connected. So we go to headquarters. Um, ben turns himself in. He gets walked into the jail. They book him, do his fingerprints, take his mugshot, um, and we find out his bond was twenty grand. So we go to get the money, post his bond, and he'll go. He'll go into this at some point. Yeah. When it's time, but um, he gets th- they put him in a cell by himself, which he had to be because he's a cop. So police officers can't be put in general population. So oh. I can't be in the same cell as you because I'm a cop. Oh. Um, that's for that's for his the safety. cop safety, right? That's for yeah. his safety because most criminals don't like police, <laughs> and if they know that you're yeah. police, they're going to take that opportunity to do something. Yeah. So he puts he's get he puts in. They put him in solitary, and he he heard that door shut, and um, he just started praying, crying out to God. Um, And then I think an hour or two had gone by because it had taken us. I've never done this before. You know, and, like, per my policy at the department, I can't post his bond as a police officer. It doesn't matter that he's my husband or not. As a police officer, I'm not allowed to post someone's bond. So I had to get people together to figure out how we're going to do this. We go to post his bond, and um, he said he was he had just been praying, and the guard came and said, hey, someone posted your bond, let's go. So they get him. Um, I'm standing outside booking, grab him, and we hop in the car and ride back to our house. And we had no idea what was about, you know, what the next five years now was going to happen. Because, <coughs> um, again, this was all, it happened April 3rd, 2018. He was arrested August 3rd, 2018. And it's April 13th, 2023. Wow. So, um, he's on admin. He's still hired by the police department, still has his job. Um, he was arrested. Immediately there was a press conference. Chief McMurray got up there as well as the mayor, Tommy Battle, and said, Ben Darby is not a murderer. Uh, that's a direct quote from the chief. He did everything he was supposed to do. We support him. We will stand by him. 
Um, the mayor, Mayor Battle, said the same. Um, the district attorney gets up there and he says, Ben Darby is a murderer and he is a horrible person and, you know, how bad of a person he is and he goes down that list. So the judge in the case sets a gag order so that no one's allowed to talk about the case publicly. And if they do, they're going to go, they're going to get arrested. So everything that I've done in the last two years since he's been in prison, I couldn't do. I couldn't speak out about him and his wrongful, uh, the charging. Yeah. Because then I was going to go to jail. And we both can't be in prison at the same time because we're not helping each other. Let me ask you this. So when they put that gag order on, <clears throat> and obviously you can't speak on his behalf, you can't defend him in any way, um, were they putting anything out, saying anything negative about him in the press, the public, or? Not really. Okay. Um, I mean, there was articles because people were like, oh, police officer got convicted of, or uh, charged at the time. They got He got charged with murder, and, you know, a hizzy fit was made. But noth- from what I remember, nothing directly from the DA's office was said. Okay. Like, everyone played colored within their lines and right. didn't say anything. Um. So that was 2018. We're trying to figure everything out. Um, Huntsville Police Department lets us know, hey, we are going to, the city's going to pay for your trial. Like, we're covering it, which is huge because it was 125 grand. So I remember talking with Ben um, after he was convicted in between sentencing, and he was like, we don't have the money for this. Like, we're, we need help, you know? And I said, yeah, but... God's provided 125k already. He's gonna provide the rest of it, you know. And it was a light bulb moment for him because he's like, I didn't even think it. Like, we we've already been taking it through it this far, and it may it didn't work out initially, you know, because he w- was convicted, um, but it was provided. Like provisions were made. So that was 2018, um, 2019. A year to the day, so April 3rd, 2019, we have a qualified immunity hearing. So qualified immunity is something that police officers have. Um, in essence, it just it basically says they're covered because it was their job. They they did with they were in w- within the scope and uh, duties of their job. Their actions are justified. They're qualified and they're immune. So um, it was like it was one day of court basically. Um, it was public. Uh, we had, it was a very small courtroom. I think there was only like 26 seats. So his sh- entire shift showed up and then some family. Um, and it was like mini court, you know. He was up there with his lawyers. The, the DA and the prosecutors were up there and they had court. He testified. The other two officers testified. Um, they brought in experts to talk about it. And the judge had to decide if Ben was qualified or not. I think this was on a Wednesday, and she said, I've got other things going on. Don't expect an answer or a ruling until um, Friday. And we are like, okay. I left that very confident he was going to get qualified immunity. Like, just how the day went, things that were said, things that were argued, the way um, Piggies and Beckles gave their testimony um, and how it wasn't, they just didn't do a good job. Um, and they couldn't defend why they did what they did. And uh, we wake up the next morning from the judge, no decision. Like, no, you're not giving, I'm sorry, no qualified immunity, but no reason why. 
just no. So it's like, all right, so now we got to go to trial. So that was April 2019. Um, we're, we're not going to go to trial until 2020, but little did we know COVID was going to happen. So COVID happens and everything gets shut down. There's no trials in Madison County, and we didn't know when we were going to trial. But he's home this whole time, still on admin duty, meaning he's, he goes to work every day. And he was a secretary, basically. He got paid to do paperwork. Yeah. Um, but Huntsville was still, he still got his paycheck every two weeks. He still had vacation and sick time. He still had all the benefits of being a police officer. He just didn't have a gun and badge because he was under investigation. So um, we go through 2020. Um, 2021, that January, we get notified, you are going to trial this year. So be, be ready. And like at, during 2020 and 2021, we're talking with lawyers. Everyone's prepping for the, the coming trial. Um, Martin, Luther, Martin Luther King Day of 2021-ish, uh, the prosecutors meet with Ben's attorneys and offer a plea deal. Take a manslaughter charge, which is reckless murder basically and we promise that it'll be no prison time five years probation so you won't have to go into custody just plea to this charge we won't go to trial <laughs> and all will be well again so what would he have to do community service and uh yeah so he would like he wouldn't go to prison but he would be on probation for five years. So And it would be on his record. And it would be yeah, he would be a convicted felon. Which is the big thing. Right. He would be a convicted felon. He would never be a police officer again. Like that is done. Um and then he has a probation officer that he would have to report to yeah. however so often they had it set up, um, for five years. And if he got in trouble, then he would go to prison oh. for the rest of that five years. Um, so the lawyers called him, they presented the the offer, and Ben was like, no, I didn't commit murder, and I didn't commit manslaughter. I'm not, no, I'm not taking the deal. So that was January of 2021. Um, shortly thereafter, we get told, you're going to trial the week of May 3rd. So um, right before, you know, end of April, they have all these preliminary hearings and these last-minute meetings with the judge and the two sides before you go into trial. And um, it was decided that the district attorney's office did not want police in the courtroom because they didn't want the jury to be swayed by police officers supporting a police officer. So um, the judge closed the courtroom on the grounds of COVID and no one was allowed in the courtroom. I was allowed in the courtroom as his wife. I had to sit in a separate room on a separate floor. Is that because you were a police officer as well? I don't know if they under, I don't know if they realized I was a cop or not. Okay. Still am. Um, I don't know if they knew that at the time. They just didn't want, they wanted to make sure that the jury saw that he was a young kid who had no one there to support him and that he was wrong and he was guilty, yeah. quote unquote. Oh, they set it up like oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah. They, perf they purposely set up the way that they did. So the judge plays along and closes the courtroom, which is a violation of his rights. Um, 
per the Constitution, you are you have the right to a public trial and a speedy trial. It's Sixth Amendment. And so she denies him of his rights. So we go to trial May 3rd. They do jury selection. And that's closed, so I can't even go to that. But they're sitting there, and it's, you know, 100, 100 jurors that they're potentially picking from. And Tim Gann was the lead prosecutor in the case. And he gets up there, and he says, how many of you think there's a war on cops? And Ben's sitting there, and he said, and again, I don't know that, I'm not there, so I don't know this, but Ben said, Gann asked that question, and everyone just kind of looked around and raised their hand. Because again, it's 2021. Yep. George Floyd, I don't remember if it, George Floyd had happened, or it was about to happen, or it just yeah. happened, or what. There was I a mean, bunch of stuff that so happened around that, that era. Yeah. Right. So, how many of you think there's a war on cops? Everyone raises their hand. Then he says, his follow-up question is, well, uh, George Floyd did happen, because he says, how many of you think it's warranted because you have bad apples like Derek Chauvin and Ben Darby, and he motions? So you're already corrupting potential mm -hmm. jurors and telling them, he's a bad apple. He's just like Derek Chauvin. The only the only similarities between Derek and Ben are um, they're both white males, and they're both police officers. That's it. There's no, there's nothing else tying them together, and they both used force. I guess yeah. you could add that, you could add that into the spectrum, but that's it. Um, so he taints the jury, the potential jury, and saying, "How many of you think it's warranted?" And Ben said, "Like they were all just floored," and his lawyer objected to it, and the judge was like, "No, carry on, it's okay." Really? Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. That the so judge that was allowed. Yeah. To be told to the jurors. He's a bad cop. How many of you think that this war on cops is a good thing? And it should be happening because you have bad apples like Derek Chauvin and Ben Darby. And Ben said there's a lady sitting in front of him, and she looked at Tim Gann and then looked at Ben and was like motioning towards Ben like, yeah, there's a war on this kid right here, you know? Mm -hmm. So they go through um, jury selection. The jury gets picked. And we go to trial Tuesday. So Tuesday trial starts. Again, I'm in a separate room. So um, me and his family had it set up. And I don't know. There was 30 to 40 people in there. A lot of it was people supporting us. And then I had guys from my department um, there as, like, security for me. Because I didn't know if there was – we had heard, there was rumors that there was going to be threats against me for being there. Um, and I wasn't going to get caught off guard. So I had my, my team guys were there to help me out. And uh, we're sitting through trial first day. And we're watching it on TV. So we see the video and we have audio. And all you can see is the, the witness box. So the stand, basically. You can't see anything else in the courtroom. You can't see the jury. Can't see the jury. Can't see the DA or the prosecution. I can't see Ben and the defense team. Um, I can see a little bit of the judge. But it's the witness testifying and then about a little bit of the judge. So they start going and they have the dispatcher come up and all these people are coming up. Experts are coming up. And then they have um, Parker's neighbor. Because when this all happened and the chart Ben was arrested, um, the neighbor had reached out to our legal team and said, hey, we need to talk because you guys need to know. Yeah know what Parker thought about police. 
So um, they they had gotten with him, and he gets up on the stand, and he gets sworn in, you know. And uh, I remember our lawyer saying, you know, qualifying who he was. You know, he's his neighbor, and how do you know Parker, and yada, yada. And uh, the neighbor gets asked, what what did Parker tell you about how he felt about police? And the neighbor says, uh, he hated cops. Objection, objection, objection. He can't say that. That's hearsay. No, it's not. No. Hearsay is, our ha- we're having this conversation right now, and a listener decides to say something that we said while on the show. That's hearsay. But if the three of us are talking, and Eddie says... As I was talking to Keelan, she said this. That's a direct witness testimony. That's yeah. a direct account. So that's not hearsay because it's it's within this conversation. But if a listener were to say that, that would be hearsay. Mm-hmm. And the judge says, yeah, that's hearsay. You can't say that. Jeez. And let me back up. Objection, objection. And the TV gets turned off. So I have a black screen, no audio. I don't know what's going on. I only know what's going on because later on during lunch, I'm like, hey, Ben, this happened. What happened? And he tells me, and then he tells his lawyers, hey, they're not getting the full feed, <coughs> which is a violation of his rights. So because even though we're not in the courtroom, that extended area is considered the courtroom still, and that's there's case law to back that. So um, Ben said that when the – Prosecutors objected. Um, the bailiff was instructed to take the jury out of the room. So the people making the decision as to whether or not my husband is guilty of murder for an on-duty shooting that he was already told he was justified in, they weren't allowed to hear what the neighbor had said. So they all leave, and the judge tells the neighbor, you can talk to the court reporter, and it can be on the record so that if this case goes to an appeal— it's there. So insane. And that's why I, I don't think people understand. I mean, because this is so similar to my trial, like the little games that are played by the prosecution to where they will get up and make statements in front of the jury that are completely false or just they're trying, it's their version of trying to sway the jury, right? But then you object to it. And sometimes the judge is like, okay, you know, sustained. Um, and what they'll do is they'll tell the jury to leave Mm -hmm. and they'll talk it over and then the jury will come back in and they'll say, Hey, what you just heard unhear it, pretty much unhear it. But you know, like they already heard it. Right. So, and the prosecution knows that. So they will keep continuing. It doesn't matter how many times either. They will keep saying, uh, statements that aren't true Mm -hmm. to sway and then, They'll play that game all day long. Leave, come back. Hey, unhear that. By that time, you're just like, well, <laughs> this jury is already forming forming right. an opinion, you know. Right. Yeah. So um, we're in the room, don't know what's going on, and then the TV turns back on with the, the audio. Did they purposely turn it off? Oh, yeah. Judge had the kill switch ah. up on her, I don't know, bench or table or whatever she's, whatever you want to call her standing behind. She controlled it. So, objection, objection, click, black screen, 
silence, radio silence. We can't hear anything. We don't know what's going on. I think 10 minutes goes by. It gets turned back on, and a deputy is on the stand talking about tattoos. So, again, the TV was on, and it was the neighbor. And the last thing we heard was, he told me he hates police. Click. Time passes, and the deputy's talking about tattoos. The deputy was up there. I think he was a gang unit, gang member unit. Um, Parker had white supremacist tattoos on him, and white supremacists hate cops. So um, that was being brought into into the trial. So um, time goes on, and we're going through the trial. You know, things are moving along. We break for lunch. Next day, witnesses are still coming up, talking about stuff. And then um, when Ben was in the academy, and, like, Huntsville Police Department has their own academy, which I think I said at the beginning of the show. So it's in-house, where, like, I went to a farm academy where you have a bunch of different departments, and they go to, it's like a regional learning, where Huntsville's academy is, it's, they're taught what the state wants you to know, but it's specific to Huntsville also, on top of that. Hmm. So, um, during his time at the academy, uh, one of his training instructors, uh, was Jason Moore, and when Jason was on the street, he was involved in a shooting, where he actually was shot, and survived. Um, but, during his time at the academy, he taught the concept of action versus reaction and how action will beat reaction every time. And in Jason's incident, um, Jason worked third shift, so nights on patrol, um, and he was also on the SWAT team. So as a SWAT team member, you get more training than your regular patrolman because you're specialized. And so um, Jason had his rifle. Uh, they went to a domestic call, um, and the guy was drunk, and he had a rifle and a shotgun uh, pointed at the ground in both hands, and the guy was up on their porch. And so they um, set up a perimeter. And this was years before. I don't know what year it was, but it was years prior to Ben shooting. So, like, it didn't just happen. You know, like, and he's an older officer than Ben, too. So this just, again, shows the point of we're trained to do this. We're trained to set up a perimeter and take cover and negotiate at distance Mm -hmm. so he's doing this with this guy and jason uh said or he knew as soon as i see shoulder movement of the guy bringing the guns up that's a that's my green light for lethal force and so um he's waiting and he's i mean he's got his ar on the guy just waiting for that movement and the guy's able to flick his wrist up and jason didn't see it and he got shot in the face with um, birdshot. Um, shooting, I mean, shooting goes back and forth, and that whole situation gets taken care of. But the main point of Jason's experience was he told Ben's Academy and several other classes before and after Ben's, you cannot wait to react. If they have a gun and you're giving them lawful commands to drop the gun, one, one command is enough, and that sounds hard, you know, but, again, if you can't follow directions, bad things are going to happen. If, you, if, if you're told as a kid, don't touch a hot stove, and you touch a hot <laughs> stove, you're going to get burned, right? That was your warning, don't touch it, or you're going to get burned. Put, your, put the gun down, 
or you may end up getting shot. Um, Jason got shot in the face with birdshot. And so he used his experience in real life to teach new trainees, this is how you, you have to be prepared. You can, and case law backs that. Um, I think it's Montute. Montute versus Carr. You don't have to wait, and Graham, you don't have to wait for the beat of the weapon to be pointed at you. If they have a weapon and they're using it, and you feel like your life is in danger, there's, a eminent, there's an eminent threat of force being used against you or a bystander, regardless of if it's another officer or uh, Mary down the street, if any of, any of their lives are in danger or they have an eminent threat against them, you are authorized to use force against that. I don't have to give you a warning. Yeah, or seven. Or seven, exactly. Ben's justified in what he did, but he's also justified if he didn't tell him to drop the gun because he recognized Pegues is standing out in the wind with her gun at the ground 20 feet from a guy with a gun who's going like this. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to give Parker a warning, but he ended up getting seven. So um, Jason gets – sorry, there's a lot of intro to this. but No, it's good. <laughs> Jason wa- – and I know who Jason is. We've had several conversations, and I see him walk up. And I remember telling my buddy next to me, this is good. Because I knew Jason's story. Mm-hmm. And Jason gets up on the stand. Um, you see him get sworn in. And then you see him um, make eye contact with, I'm assuming, I'm assuming he was making eye contact with Ben because he winked at him. And from Ben's perspective, again, because I wasn't in the courtroom, Ben said that as soon as Jason walked in, he heard, the prosecution say, Jason cannot testify. He heard that said in the room. So Jason gets up, gets sworn in, and we hear, uh, Judge, we need, a, we need to have a meeting. Click. TV gets turned off. Audio gets turned off. Jason is still, he was sworn in. So the jury saw him get sworn in. We all did. Jury saw it. Everyone in the room saw it. This is the next guy up to bat. TV's off for, I don't remember how long. TV gets turned back on. Jason's not on the stand. I don't remember who was at that point. But I thought to myself, and I was like, he, this this is bad. Like, Jason has to testify because it's relevant. It's It defends and exonerates why Ben did what he did. Why isn't the jury hearing it? Why aren't we hearing it? Yeah. Well, even if you weren't, f- even if you were like anti-Ben Darby, like, but you believed in constitution or our legal system. You would say, "Hey, a jury has the right to hear every like they need to hear all aspects of it." Well, Dave, you're you're trying to you're making common sense. And, <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen in in the courtroom. The defendant, by legally, the defendant has to have every ounce of credible evidence to exonerate him has to be given to the jury. What was so? I, I completely know why the prosecution did not want him to get up there, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? Because it makes their case look bad. Right. What was do you do you know their argument to the judge of why I don't he shouldn't? Okay. No, I don't. Because you know. couldn't watch it, obviously, on the on right. The TV and I screen. wasn't in there. Um, I don't remember if I asked Ben or not. I don't remember. We can find that out yeah, later. We can. Fi- yeah, we can. <laughs> we will. Um, we've taken a lot of notes in the last five yeah. years. Um, so. 
I, I did talk with Ben later on. He did say that Jason, again, was allowed to talk to the reporter, but the jury was kicked out of the room and didn't get to hear the testimony. But as a juror, if I was a juror on any trial, but especially a murder trial, and a witness got on the stand to testify, and I know who is, you know, are you Jason Moore? Yes, I am. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Yes, I do. I know who this guy is. And then he's not allowed to testify. Hmm, I wonder why he, why can't I hear what he has to say? Like, as a juror, why can't we know what he want, what they want him to testify about? Yeah. You know, th- to me as a juror, that's a red flag. Why can't we hear that information? Well, I'll, I'll say this. That is <clears throat> a red flag to you if you were a juror because you were, you're going through it. You're on the other side. Yeah. But I believe to jurors when they show up to jury selection and then if they get picked to be part of the trial, they are trusting both sides. They're trusting the defense and prosecution. They're not looking at them like, oh, this prosecutor's just trying to get a win, into which is what's really going on. Right. They're like, no, this prosecutor's trying to get justice and you know, all the things that you would think right. th- was supposed to happen. So when I believe, you know, when prosecution wins little little things like that and get them, I don't think the jury is like thinking that like, oh, there must be why why is this happening? They're just saying, okay. Like, yeah, they're part of the process, part of the process. And let's move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I'm just from me going through my trial. That's what I, I think the jury thinks when, when they're in there. And I, you know, obviously when you're on the other side and you're on the defense, you're like, oh, the jury has to see this. Yeah. They have to see this as like, uh, a, a sneaky act by the prosecution. Mm-hmm. But I, after going through it, I'm like, they don't, you know? Yeah. So, um, Jason doesn't get testify. It goes to the court record. They get called back in. Um, still going through the week. The jury wasn't allowed to know that Ben was cleared by Huntsville Police Department. What? Yeah. They're not allowed to know that he, that he originally got cleared? Yep. They weren't allowed to know that. <laughs> they weren't allowed to know that he wasn't reprimanded or, uh, he didn't have to go through remedial training. And that the other two officers did. They weren't allowed to know that. Um, they weren't allowed to know that case law exonerates him, uh, Graham versus Connor, namely, which Graham, ver- Graham versus Connor is the bedrock case law. Like every police officer is taught Graham versus Connor in dealing with when you use force. Um, it has to be a rapid, rapidly evolving tense situation, and it's a split second. It's not something that. You know, we're in an air-conditioned studio with no threats to us, and I can take an hour to make a decision because I know I'm not going to get shot. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. And I can I can slow it down to, you know, a half a second frame by frame and pick it apart. No, it's he had 11 seconds from the time he got up on scene to the time he had to use force. And 11 seconds sounds like a long time, but when – you're looking at a guy with a gun or a threat to you, it's quick. It's not It's not as long as everyone thinks it is. So um, they weren't allowed to be instructed in Graham. So after the trial was, d- after everything was presented and we rested, the state rested, the judge has to instruct the jury and the prosecution and the defense submit instructions that they want the jury to know. Um, 
So like obviously ours was they they need to know that Ben is a police officer and he was trained to do this and Graham versus Connor backs him. Let me back up. Um in closing arguments they so for people who don't know how jury trials work you start out with like an introduction and they like the defense and the prosecution both set up their like they do a quick monologue of this is why we're right and you're going to see why by the end mm-hmm. of the trial you know after all the facts are supposed to be given mm-hmm. and then at the after all the facts are given or supposed to be given they do a conclusion or closing arguments yep. and they say based off of everything you just heard and they can lie they can make conjecture they can character assassinate which happened um it's theatrics yes it's it's drama yeah it is true it's drama at its, at its finest so they're we're in closing arguments and they're like you know ben ben darby and they never they never um Related, I don't know if that's the word I'm trying to look for. Um, they never said he was a police officer. And he was still. He was still employed by Huntsville Police Department. It was Ben Darby, the citizen. Ben Darby, the untrained. Because they wanted to imply that he had been let go from the police department, so the jury would be like, oh, well. He they, is a bad guy. Yeah. He is. He's not a cop. He mm-hmm. was never trained. And during closing arguments, and they, I don't, at this point, I don't remember all the nitty-gritty details. They may have said it during the trial part of it. Um, but I do remember Tim Gann and Tim Douthat, the prosecutor saying, Ben Darby is no different than if you were to run into his house because you saw him with a gun to his head and you shot him because you thought that he was a threat. He's in, this poor man's in his house and he's, he's, he's calling for help. And Ben just went in there and blew his brains out. Mm. Well, that's not what happened. Parker yeah. called 911. 911, mm-hmm. what's your emergency? Uh, yeah, I'm at 403 Doremus or whatever his numbers were on Doremus Avenue. Um, I'm fixing to blow my brains out. The front door's open. Mm-hmm. Okay, help's on the way. Stay on the line. Click. No thanks. Click. Yeah, no thanks. Click. They call him back. No answer. Multiple times. He had a plan to kill a cop, and he did. He was unsuccessful. Wasn't his neighbor... Also knew that he wanted to do suicide by cop. Or yeah, yeah, so that was part of the testimony that the jury couldn't hear. Yeah. Parker had a plan. Parker told, they were cutting their yards one day, and, you know, you say hi to your neighbor or whatever, and the neighbor told our lawyers and then eventually told the uh, the uh, reporter, again, not the jury because they, they can't hear the truth. Um, he told me he was going to get a cop in his house and kill him. Why can't the jury know that? <laughs> right? So um, they said there's no difference in what Ben Darby did than if you were walking down the street and you saw your neighbor with a gun to his head in, your, in their house and you just went in there and you did it for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is quite frankly a difference. Ben is a trained police officer, trained by the state of Alabama through Huntsville Police Department to carry out a job that no one wants to do anymore. No one wants to be a police officer. I don't know how many times I've been asked, how are you still in law enforcement, knowing that no. you could be your husband today? Um, so we go through closing arguments. They assassinate Ben's character, the chief's character, the training staff. They're all horrible people. Huntsville Police Department um, wants to kill people, blah, 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 all this nonsense. 
um, and they break for deliberation. Um, and it's like, man, the time, like, time is just oh yeah slowed down. Um, How long did deliberation take? We ended it, like, th- on Thursday, and it went into Friday. We came back yeah. Friday morning. Um, so we came back Friday morning, and we were notified that a juror had a panic attack and <laughs> that a alternate would have to, had to be brought in. Well, because of that, they had to completely restart deliberation because that alt. So when you go to jury selection, they pick 14 people. Go ahead. Yeah, so the juror had a panic attack because I, this, I haven't heard this yet okay. either. Uh, <laughs> so he's out. Yeah. So and they bring another juror in that hasn't even sat through. So when you, so they did. So f- they picked the jury and they picked 14 people. Mm-hmm. So when you're all 14 people are listening to the trial, but you don't know if you're going to be a deciding juror until they break for deliberation. I got you. Okay. So all 14 people, all these people heard the whole case or what was allowed to be presented. And, um, then they're, the bailiff says, okay, you and you, your alternates, everyone else is go into the room and hash it out. And so, um, during the first day deliberations, um, you know, they're allowed to take notes during the trial and all that stuff. But once the trial's over with, you can't ask questions. You can't ask for clarification. Like, it's there. Yeah. What's presented is presented, and you have to make a decision off of what's been presented to you. And the jury had questions because it didn't make – it's not murder, and they knew that. They're like they, – the question was asked, is there not another charge because this don't fit? Yeah. Mm. Um, and the bailiff was like, no, you have to go with what you what you have. So Friday comes. We get notified that a female has a panic attack. And I'm going to go out on a conspiracy whim. Um, I don't know this to be true, but was she one of the jurors holding out for his innocence? And she was pressured. She was pressured to, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I've got a golf tee off at noon. I need to go. Let's just say he's guilty and go on. I don't know that to be true. That's con- complete conspiracy, Keelan theory. That's the first thought I had when you were saying um, this. But whatever, however it is, she gets rushed to the hospital. So we get told an alternate has to be brought in. One of the alternates is brought in, and they have to restart deliberations. So they have to completely start over and go over everything all over again. Um, I get a phone call. Uh, the verdict's in get to the courthouse. So we fly to the courthouse. Um, and as we're walking in, the judge is thanking the jury for their civil duty and thank you for your service, blah, blah, blah. Again, I'm not in the courtroom with Ben. I'm in the extended room. Mm -hmm. And, um, she has the paper and she says, uh, in the case of William Darby v. Alabama, or I guess, I guess that's what it was, whatever, whatever it is. Um, she says, the jury finds you guilty. And I collapsed. I literally hit the floor. Mm. Um, because Ben and I talked prior, you know, during the liberation, you know, yes, this, this went our way. This was good. This was good. Yes, this wasn't allowed to be said. But, you know, surely that was a red flag and this was a red flag. It's going to be a hung jury. 
Like I was ninety nine percent hung jury, one percent conviction or um, um, not guilty. Yeah, not guilty. I'm sorry. Um, ninety nine percent meaning of the hung jury, they can't come to a because it has to be a unanimous decision. It's not uh, eight and four or whatever. Like it has to be all twelve say yes, he is guilty of murder. Yeah. Um, not in the both of us, ninety nine percent hung jury, one percent acquittal, full acquittal, and she says guilty. And I just, I collapsed. I could feel everyone leave the room. Um, and I'm not even paying attention to the TV anymore. Like, I'm losing my mind because yeah. my husband is now guilty of murder, according to this jury. And now what? Like, what are we doing now? You know? And so a deputy comes up. And touches me on the shoulder, and he says, hey, uh, I need you to come with me. And I was like, where are we going? You know, and he said, I'm bringing you to Ben. And I said, well, this person, like, all these people are coming with. And he said, no, it can only be you and his, his parents. And I was like, all right. So um, I did bring, my security people came with me because they're. Not, I'm not leaving here without my, I need to make sure that I'm okay. So we all went down. He took us to the basement. Um, ben came down, he was cuffed, um, front and front and shackled, you know, so he had his, 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 uh, wrists and his, um, legs were shackled and I gave him a hug and I'm trying to hold it together, but it's yeah. like, holy crap, what is going on? And he said, uh, it's going to be okay. It's not over. We'll figure this out. God's brought us this far. When it's not done, you know. So they load him up on the van. Um, we go across the street to our lawyer's office, and just in shock. Yeah. Like, what the hell just happened? And I get a phone call. It's Ben. And um, he calls me. He's like 20 seconds before it. You know, it's 20 seconds free, and then we need you. We need your money if you want to talk to your your prisoner. So. I'm able to get money on his, figure out how to do that, which is a whole other issue. And we're talking, and um, we figure out what his bond is. And she said, the judge set it for $100,000. Um, and he's sitting in this, he's sitting across the street in a jail cell, and we're trying to figure out where are we going to get this money from. Um, a couple hours goes by, and we get notified that someone posted his bond in full. So he has no restrictions. He's he, so we go to pick him up and we go to the house. Um, this was May, so we found out later on that week. I guess it was the next week because that was Friday. Um, the judge was not going to have sentencing until August, so that gave us three months Jeez. to figure out figure it out because you're going to prison. You're a you're quote unquote a murderer according to. The yeah. people of Madison County. So um, we, obviously I didn't go back to work for a while. Um, we got out of town and started setting up the future of what was going to happen. Um, did that, that day, what was it like? That Did you get a lot of support or that coming weeks between May and August? Yeah, so let me back up because I missed a crucial support 
uh, topic. So this all happened in 2018. Um, I'm from Arizona originally, and we follow, Ben and I both follow uh, Mike Lover with mm-hmm. Field, Fieldcraft Survival. And at the time, he was based out of my hometown. So um, we had gone home to see my parents in between Thanksgiving and Christmas or sometime around that time of year. And Ben was like, hey, let's go see if we can meet Mike. Like, let's go to Mike Glover's store, storefront. And so I was like, okay, so we go. And he's not there, but we talk to a couple of his employees or whatever and do the whole fanboy thing, you know. And um, we're leaving, and Mike passes us in his truck. And, like, it's a dead giveaway because it's all kitted out. And and we've seen it, so we know it's his truck. And Ben's like, turn around, that's Mike. (laughs) I'm like, no, that's weird. Like, we're not going to just follow him back to, you know, his job site. He's like, no, like, let's. Turn around, I want to meet him. So I turned around, we go back, and uh, we walk in, and Mike, Mike's a super cool guy, very down-to-earth, very um, real. There's no pretense of, oh, I'm Mike Lover. You know, he's yeah. he doesn't uh, yeah, have that celebrity what sense about him. Like, he's Yeah, just, he's cool. He's just ordinary Joe, you know. So he's not like Eddie, like all of <laughs> 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 complete opposite of me. <laughs> so um, we start talking to him, and we're there for like three hours talking, and it comes up, you know, what do you guys do? We're police officers. Oh, the both of you are. Yeah. And we start talking about mil- his military background and us as cops, and Ben's stuff comes up. And uh, so Mike's like, yeah, you know, it, it's all going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. When it's done, um, call me. I want I want you on my show. Mm-hmm. And and I've told Mike this. I've, I, to me, I was like, yeah, right. He's going to have us. Like, it's Mike Glover. You know, like, we're just Ben and Keelan Darby. You know, we're, not, we're never going to be on the show. So we take the cool picture with him, and we go back to Alabama. Um, I think he, he briefly mentioned us on one of the, his following shows. And uh, we go through everything, go through the trial. So Ben, when I see Ben at, um, we go to sentencing, and the three months, you know, we're trying to get everything lined up, um, supports coming in, the Blue Justice Project out of Pennsylvania. They heard about Ben's case originally from 2018 and wanted to support Ben financially. And Ben was like, no, I don't need it right now. Like, use it for another police officer. The city's backing me. Everything should be covered. So um, we start, I start the website, uh, standwithdarby.com, and I'm learning how to do all that stuff because I'm not technologically advanced. And so um, we go to sentencing. The, we have 72 character, re- character reference letters on Ben's behalf asking the judge for leniency on his sentence. So in Alabama, murder is a... Um, 20 years, or it's 10 years, and with a weapon, it enhances it to a minimum of 20. So, um, because he used a shotgun, he had that extra 10 added to it. So, minimum, he was going to get 20 years to life. So, if he just got 20, he would be eligible for for a bond, and he could be home during the appeal. But 20 years in a day, plus, you're stuck in prison until... Your appeal comes through. So we go. Um, the letters are given to the judge, you know, the week of sentencing. And um, 
it was me, his dad, one of his supervisors from HPD, our pastor, and then a really good childhood friend of Ben's all spoke during sentencing to the judge. Um, Ben spoke last. I spoke just before Ben, but I noticed with everyone who had gone up to testify, they would get sworn in, and the judge would look at them, you know, eye-to-eye contact the whole time they're getting sworn in. And as soon as they sat down to talk about why she needed to be lenient towards Ben, she didn't care what was going on. She was looking around, totally disinterested, not paying attention. And I get up there, and she does the same thing. And I was like, okay. Like, she's not even listening to what we're saying. We all get done testifying. Uh, prosecution gets up there and says, hey, judge, um, we are asking for a minimum of 25 years. Mm. So let's rewind. 2018, fire him and we won't press charges. Yeah. 2021, take this deal, no prison time. No, no prison time. Five years probation. Sentencing, we want at least 25 years of his life in prison. Yeah, because you didn't accept their plea deals, right. because you went against them. Because we didn't play their ben game. stood up for himself. That is hurts their ego. Mm-hmm. So then they're going to come at you with everything they have. Right. So they asked for 25 years. Judge, and this is, I'm, I might be botching it a little bit, but this was said in the courtroom that day. We want 25 years. We recommend 25 years, but we're good for more if you are. So um, everyone talks. <coughs> She's like, okay, give me a few minutes. And I don't know if she actually writes anything down or is doodling or what. And she says, okay, I've come to the decision. Um, 25 years, $120,000 in fines. Done. And um, I knew when they asked for 25 years that Ben was not coming home with them. I mean, there was a sliver, sliver, sliver of hope that maybe – Something would work out during sentencing for us, and he would get the 20 years, and he could come home on the appeal bond. But as soon as I heard them say, we want at least 25, but we're good for more if you are, I knew he wasn't coming home. And uh, so I'm sitting with him on the, you know, at the table with his defense team, and um, I start crying. The bailiff comes over, puts him in cuffs. He gives me his ring and his wallet. And he said, this isn't over. I'm going to see you soon. And they take him. I hold it together as much as I can until he leaves the room. And then I I broke, you know. And um, the sentencing part of it was still under COVID restriction. So she only allowed a a person to be seated every three chairs. Well, of course, the media gets first pick. So the last chair available is for his mother. Rightfully so. So his mom is in the courtroom with us. Um, It's me, Ben, and his dad at the table. And then the witness would come in and talk. So Ben gets ushered out. um, And, I mean, that's all over the internet of him being walked out. And (coughs) I leave with our lawyers. And the the hallways are lined with people supporting him. Um, People from our church. People from school that he grew up with. And all these different people have known him through his whole life you know the letters that were written weren't just people that knew him from that time it was childhood friends teachers from high school um he did mission work in paraguay i think it was um 
there's a, a letter from that pastor, a pastor from Nevada that he did a summer internship with, um, people from the department, people from my life that knew him, like all different walks of life from different stages of his life. Ben Darby's not a bad person. He's not a murderer. This is wrong. Please be um, lenient and show grace towards him. You're doing the wrong thing. This is unjust. Blah, 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 blah. So 25 years, they take him away. Um, and we go to the lawyer's office trying to figure out, like he's not coming home because it was over the 20. Um, trying to figure everything out. Our lawyers immediately file for appeal um, during sentencing. Um, and then by Monday, I think it was finalized on paper, hey, we are appealing this decision. So um, I said, can I start talking about this since it's no longer, the jurisdiction is no longer in Madison County? You know, do I have a voice now? And I was told, no, you have to wait until we get our appeal filed because we don't want that to ruin anything. To ruin anything. Yeah. yeah we don't want any information out that is going to help his case. And I was like, okay. So I go home. Um, oh, and Ben told me he was like, call Mike. You know, at, when, when I said bye to him, he said, call Mike. So I called. I didn't have his number. I had him on Instagram. So I got our picture, sent it to his account. And I said, hey, I don't know if you remember us or not but he just went to prison for 25 years. Mike got back to me within six hours. Hmm. Um, are you okay? Is he okay? What can I do for you? When can you come to Utah on my show? Because cool. at this time, he had he had moved from Arizona to where he's at in Utah, yep. Beaver City. So, um, and at the time, because everything's recorded in prison, right? So every phone call that Ben and I would have was recorded. So I couldn't say, you know, like, the gal, like pipe hitter and you guys were, we referred to you as something. And then we referred to Mike as something. It wasn't the Gallagher's and pipe hitter. It was, I'm not going to say it, but yeah. you guys had a code word, <laughs> <Okay>. you know, <laughs> you, you guys had a code word. Mike Glover had a code word. That's awesome. A bunch of people had code words and, but like none of this was set up. So I'm trying to talk <laughs> in code I, to my <laughs> husband on a recorded line that he doesn't know. And I'm just hoping he can make the connection, Yeah, you know, and I can throw out enough clues where he could get it, but Whoever's listening, because they listen to every single phone call, isn't picking up on the clues that I'm trying to tell Ben like, about. Mike's, the I, Mike's, Mike's code word was like, Asian. <laughs> the, y'all's behind us. Y'all, y'all's is like the Irish. Yeah. Uh, the, leprechaun the leprechaun is helping. <laughs> so um, it took me, I think I took a seven to ten days, finally go back to work, and I purposely went back on a Saturday so I wasn't facing the masses, you know, of a Monday morning and the whole department is there. It was just my shift. At this time, I was promoted to sergeant, so, like, I had um, – I was over the traffic unit, so I had four guys underneath me, um, but we also had patrol work with us, so that's another 15 people. So I only had to face 20, 25 people if they all showed up, not 150, you know. And um, it was hard going back to work because, I'll be honest, May 7th and August 20th of 2021, I was like, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, it's not worth it. Rightly so. Rightly I mean, so. I mean, yeah. it was. I was obviously in a, a bad spot um, in every aspect of life, emotionally, physically, um, relationally. They just took my husband away from me, you know, my best friend. 
and there's nothing like I physically can't do anything about it yet because we're working the appeal, but everything takes time, you know, hurry up and wait. And so, um, I finally get the all clear February 1st of 22. We file all of our stuff. We had to ask for extensions because there's so much in his case. You couldn't get it done. I think it's like 42 days they give you. And we, it just, you that's not enough time to get everything prepared. So we asked for several extensions. We officially file that February. And um, I start speaking out um, that April. Um, Mike got me connected with Andy Stumpf. So um, I went out there this time a year ago, uh, last week. And met with Andy, did his show on Cleared Hot. Um, and we had set up a fundraising uh, donation through Fund the First. And after Andy's podcast had gone public, I think like $20,000 came in. That's awesome. That's huge. Like, that's a lot of money, you yeah. know. Um, <coughs> because now I'm paying for his appeal. You know, I don't have... the. Yes, I have the support of Huntsville Police Department in the city of Huntsville, but their checks are done. Like, Ben no longer works for them, and I'll let me go back and say that. Um, ben was able to be employed, I think, just up to three weeks of him being sentenced. He got a paycheck because he had sick time, and he was able to use it. Just because you're, cause he was never fired. Uh, the city of Huntsville backed him the entire time. So um, he still got a paycheck up until sentencing for the most part. And, you know, a lot of that went towards us trying to figure out what's go- what what our next step was. That's pretty cool. I bet they got some heat from that. Oh, yeah. People were pissed, and they still are, because they're like, he's, he's a convicted felon. He was convicted of murder. Why is he still on the payroll? Blah, 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 blah. That's his time. That's his sick time. He accrued it. He never used it. Um, It's his to use until he gets fired, and the city wasn't going to fire him. So he used it. Um, And we were able to still get – he was still able to get a paycheck uh, up through that time. And one of – it's a God thing. Um, You know, we – he had called HR, and he said, hey, am I – because we knew he was close on his – of not getting another check. And he said, am I getting a check tomorrow? And they said, um, unfortunately, no, we cannot. We're, you're not going to get paid. Like, your last check was last week. And he said, okay. And uh, they were like, oh, we're, you know, we're sorry, but. No, they can't out. do anything. Yeah. Runs are out, you know. And um, we went to the mailbox that day, and what his check should have been was in the mail. Someone had just written us a check for that amount. I'm like, Ugh. And, like, that's a God thing. You know, like, that's not coincidental or you couldn't have planned that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, file I'm kind of all over the place, sorry. (laughs) We file it February. I start speaking out. We go to Andy's show. um, Or I go to Andy's show, talk. A bunch of money starts coming in. And then I remember, I still have it. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I still have the message from you saying, you know, it, and it's from Eddie Gallagher. It's not, it's not just pipe hitter. It's, yeah. it's from your personal account. Uh, how can I contact you? We want to help you. 
Yeah. And so Ben and I had followed your story since it started. Um, and like signed up for the, the book and, uh, I have one of these. I'm going to show everyone. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. That's we one have of the originals the, uh, right there. Yeah. We have the challenge. We both have the challenge coins. And so Ben said, you owe me a drink, but, um, <laughs> done tonight. <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Um, like we've, we weren't just like, we followed your story, you know, since the, the beginning of it or since it was gone public and um Ben was like we got to get somehow got to get a hold of them you know and um we put it the application and then you had heard the show yeah. with Andy and we got the phone call or I got you my number and then I got the phone call from Dina and uh I remember calling Ben or I, I, he called me because I wasn't allowed to call him um and I was like, code word is on board. Like, yeah. <laughs> the leprechaun, the leprechaun, the leprechaun is, is in the office, you know? And, um, he was just, he was like, what did you just say? You know, like, cause it was so like, is this really happening? You know? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's like, it's all God because there's so many points of light. Like obviously Mike Glover. Yeah. Um, Huge. And then because it's like if you look back, so I, I don't mean to cut you off, but like if we didn't turn around that day, because I thought it was like that's weird, you know, we're not stalking yeah. Mike, which we weren't for everyone listening, we weren't stalking him, but like it's just that's like that's weird, you know. Oh, there's there he is. Let's follow him to back to his um, office. If we didn't turn around that day, we never would have had that conversation with him, mm-hmm. and then we never, I never would have been able to reach out to him after Ben was taken, hey, this actually just did happen. Get connected with him. We never would have got to Andy. Yep. Andy's show never went out. You never would have heard of us. You know, other than us putting our application in. Yeah. You know, but it was, um, that's, but actually it was so much it. more impactful hearing you on Andy, you know, and Andy's podcast is okay. He's all right. But, uh, you know, he, <laughs> uh, you did an uh, awesome job. I mean, and I sat there and I, I think it was like in the morning I started it mm-hmm. and I just sat, I mean, I was first off enraged as I was like listening to you mm-hmm. and, but I was also like, this is the main reason like we started this foundation mm-hmm. is people like you and Ben and then just hearing you out there speaking for him, trying to fight for him. I mean, it was like deja vu yeah. all over again. And right away after I heard it, I had like contacted Andrea and, or obviously I live with Andrea, but like Dina <laughs> and I was like this, there's no questions asked. We have to get behind them. Yeah. And I mean, they were full and obviously she reached out. Right. Yeah. And just, you know, I told Ben, you know, like they're on board, you know, they're, we, we got them, you know? And I remember I was in the gym again when I found out and, um, I got off the phone with Dina when she's like, Hey, we, we're taking you on. I'm sending you the contract. And I just started crying and like, there's, I mean, there's a lot of cops or meatheads and they're in there working out and I'm in there and I'm crying. They're like, now what happened to Dark? You know, like, <laughs> cause that, you just, it's always, it's always something. And, um, I just started, you know, shouting, like I was just so, it was such a burden in answer to prayer lifted knowing that because to have your support and the fact that you guys were supporting us as a convicted felon, like he's in prison right mm-hmm. now. And you're going to put your the backing of Pipe Hitter, the backing of Eddie Gallagher, 
is now behind Ben Darby, a convicted felon. Wrongfully convicted. Right. Wrongfully. Wrongfully. Yeah. yeah, I'll say that. Thank you. Wrongfully convicted of murder. Um, you're like that's that's a lot to have your your stamp of approval <coughs> of hey this is screwed up he needs help yeah. you know and um so let me go back a little bit um he was put into the county jail um he was in solitary for 18 days and he was allowed it was 23 and one so he was in his cell for 23 hours he had one hour out and during that hour he called me for 30 minutes and then he called his parents so I would get a phone call once a day. Um, and then he got transferred to Kilby, which is the like processing center of the state when you get a, when you get sent to prison and they figure out what camp you're going to go to. So I found out that he got transferred because the news knew before I did. Hmm. So I get a phone call. Hey, is it true that Ben got transferred to Kilby? And I was like, what are you talking about? And like, well, when's the last time that you heard from him? And I said, it's been four days, which was abnormal. So, yeah. I mean, my anxiety is through the roof. Like, I'm all over the place emotionally because I don't know what's going on. And our lawyers don't know because they don't, the DOC won't tell them anything. Um, I call Kilby and I said, hey, this is Keelan Darby. My husband is William Darby. Is he at your facility? I can't tell you that. Why not? <laughs> Why can't you? That's just, that's classified information we can't tell you. Cla- classified. And I'm like, he's a, he's a prisoner. Like, I mean, I can just, I guess I'll just go to DOC's website and type in William Darby and it'll show me if he's there or not. Yeah. Um, but it was all over news. He was there. And, um, but I haven't heard from him, you know, and he, and I'm sure Andrea can relate. Hearing you calm is such a calming, knowing that you're okay. Even if it's for a 15-second phone call, which that's what I got. He called me from Kilby. Um, I was, again, I was at work. And I got a phone call from him. And I heard it say, you only have 15 seconds. And I, he didn't, obviously, because the phone went off. And it was a phone tree of me having to put money on his phone. So while I'm trying to set this up, he keeps calling me back. Like, a, a, the line keeps trying to connect over, and I tried con- thinking, oh, well, I'll get another 15 seconds. I'll tell him to wait five minutes and yeah. I'll get money on his account. No, it just restarted the phone tree. So I was getting pissed, and I'm angry, and I'm upset, and I finally get money set up on his phone, and it says, okay, we'll connect you back, and they never did. The phone just hung up. So I lost it, walked into my lieutenant's office. I was like, I... I have to go. Like, I'm going to the gym. I, I need a break. And he, he was sitting by his desk, and he's like, just, just, he didn't know how to deal with it. You know, yeah. he's like, just <laughs> do what you need to do. Take, if you need to go home, you know, like, he couldn't look at me or whatever. And um, I got a phone call about 10 minutes later, and it was Ben. And I was like, what is going on? You know, he's like, I'm okay. This is where I'm at. Um, certain things have happened to me. That shouldn't have happened, and when I see you, I will tell you about it. But just make a make a note that I have stuff that I need to tell you about, but I can't tell you because we're on a recorded line. Yeah. So, um, he went to Kilby again. He was in uh, solitary, but he would only get a break from solitary every four days. So he was in his cell for four days with no break. When he did get a break, he had 15 minutes to either take a shower or make a phone call. 
every four days. So he would call me. I would hear from him for 15 minutes. He'd go back to his cell and take a spit bath, basically, out of the yep. uh, sink. The, the fabulous prison sinks yeah. they provide. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, <laughs> he's like, I can't wait <laughs> to not have to push a button oh, and yeah. hold it to <laughs> get water, you know. And so um, he was in Kilby for 30, 31 days, I think, um, in solitary. At one point, he was put in a pod with other convicted felons, all convicted of murder. But the kicker is they weren't protected like he was. So he's in a cell with a guy, with I think it was six other guys. Um, one of them was in there for killing a cop. Yep, I remember hearing this. And I lost, like, he told me that over the phone, and I, because, I like, that's something that, I don't care if it's told, and obviously I'm telling it now, but that, I needed to know that, because I immediately called out Withers. I was like, he is in a cell, or he was in a cell, a pod, with six other guys, they're general population inmates, he's not supposed to be around them because of the threat against his life, because he's in prison, and then he's a cop in prison, and one of those guys is in there for killing a cop. So um, they were trying to talk to him and figure out why he was in there, and they all thought he was a preacher. I don't know. I guess it's because of his beard, because at the time it was pretty long. Yeah. And um, he went with it. He was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, it's a smart you know, move." And he just fabricated some story, and they believed it, and they let it, like he eventually was moved back to his cell in segregation. Um, and then he got moved to Limestone Correctional. Um, which is a, it's the only true protective custody camp in the state. So it's half the camp is general population and then half is PC, protected custody. Yep. So um, he got moved up there in October of 21 and um, he called, I didn't know, he called me when he got there. I had to reset up everything so that we could talk on the phone. And um, at this point I still have not seen him since they took him in Aug that August. So um, we find out they do have visitation, but it is closed because of COVID. And it's not going to open up anytime soon. So I went a total of nine months um, before I saw him. Uh, I saw him May of 22. And I remember I was, in I was at Andy's when they, op they opened up visitation in April, but I was out doing my circuit. Yep. Um, and so I didn't get to see him until May. So his parents went and saw him that first month. And then May, I went and saw him. And I was nervous because I've never been inside of a prison. I'm a cop. Do they know I'm a cop? Like, do the, do the, in, do the guards know that I'm a police officer? You know, how am I going to be treated? And just the anxiety of doing all that. Um, I go in there, uh, have to get searched. Um, and I'm watching... It's, there's, it's an all-male prison, and I think this is why they did it this way. I don't agree with it, and it's not, I don't think it's right, but females had a deeper, intr more intrusive search than a male. So, um, when I, every time that I go in there to see Ben, I have to go into a separate room, uh, lift my shirt, shake out my bra, they go through my waistband, and then do a regular search. Um, his dad would stand out in the open, and they would go, spread your arms, pat, 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 
you're good to go. I had to take my shoes mm. off. They had to check the bottom of my feet. Go, I mean, just like, you know, prisoner search. And it's like, I know how to search someone because I do yeah. it for a living. So I remember going in there later on, you know, months later, and I just, I walked into the room, posted up like I would want, how I would, if I were to search. And the lady's like, you're not an inmate. And I was like, I sure do feel like it because yeah. I shouldn't have to be coming here. And I, I lost it a little bit, um, <laughs> but whatever. So um, I get through and I'm, I get done getting searched and I'm waiting for the door to roll back and um, the door rolls back and I see Ben, I'm looking for him and then I see him and he's in the very back of the room and I took off running and two guards, because there's guards in there and they stood up and I saw it and I was like, sorry, it's been nine months and then I, you know, I gave him a big hug and I remember my heart was like a thousand reps a minute, you know, just bam, 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 bam. And, uh, he said, your heart's going like a hummingbird, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I got to physically touch him, give him a hug. And, uh, we went and got a couple <clears throat> snacks and then sat down and we had two hours to talk. Um, there's other people around. So yeah. it was, it wasn't recorded, but it, it was very hushed, you know. I mean, we're whispering the whole time because I don't know. Yeah, you don't know who's listening. I don't know who's listening. You know, there could be a or recording. Or they have recording devices. Underneath the table. And that's their, exactly. they do that. So, I mean, I saw there was cameras in there, you know, for surveillance or whatever, or uh, closed caption TV or whatever, closed circuit TV, whatever. But uh, we talked for a couple hours, and then I left, and um, where do I want to go next? So he, he's been in prison this whole time. Yep. Um, we filed the appeal, like I said, February of 22 in August, end of August, 2022. Um, I got a phone call. I, so, and now I'm out of traffic and I'm working night shift. So I'm a zombie all the time. I am running across the country doing interviews. Um, I remember still dealing with, or I'm talking with Mary and the media team through Pipitter and they're like, Hey, can you do this interview at 2 AM? And I was like, I'm at work. I can't you know, or, hey, can you do this? Because it was an East Coast interview, and that's when the guy had his show, and, you know, we're Central Time in Alabama. So just the logistics of trying to get everything to work with me working nights, which for me is 7P to 7A, um, and then be cognizant enough to have an interview yeah. and talk and not be tired the whole time, you know. So going through all that, get the phone call. I was asleep. Um, lawyer called me. He said, hey, they granted the oral arguments. We're getting a hearing, which is huge because in Alabama, um, every time there's a, a case in the other side appeals, every appealed case goes to the Court of Criminal Appeals. And I'm sure this is nationwide, you know, depending on your state, but it goes to the Court of Criminal Appeals and they look at every case that is appealed. But they make the decision as to if they're going to grant it cert, meaning they're going to listen to it and see what the issues are, or just deny it. And then their appeal is over with, basically. And so um, we were given oral arguments, and that's a 2%. In Alabama, that's a 2% chance. Mm. Out of all the cases that are appealed, 2% actually get oral arguments. Mm. And then of that 2%, 1% gets them publicly. Well, we got both. So that was a huge victory. I remember calling you guys yep. and letting you know and having that small victory um, and breath of fresh air. So that was August. We were told it was going to be in November. Um, 
obviously I had to wait for Ben to call me and I told him and he was super excited. Um, we go to oral arguments in November. It was held in Birmingham, uh, Andrea and then Bernie came yeah. and, um, were there with me and then Mary. Um, and we sat through the hearing. So for that, it was, we, when we, um, filed our motion for appeal, we listed 33 reasons as to why Ben should be given a new trial. And of those 33 reasons, we took the three biggest and made that our appeal, but then sprinkled in the other 30 mm -hmm. throughout it. And um, the three main reasons were the closure of the courtroom, which was a violation of his rights, the jury not being properly instructed, and then if all the evidence would have been considered and allowed to be heard, a just jury would not have convicted him. So uh, we go to oral arguments, and the judges, the appellate judges, there's five of them in Alabama, and they wanted to hear specifically the courtroom closure and the jury instructions. So each side had an hour, or I'm sorry, 30 minutes to discuss those two points. So at this point, Madison County is no longer over the case. The jurisdiction now moves to the attorney general, who is Steve Marshall. Steve Marshall supports law says keyword says he <laughs> says he supports law enforcement um two weeks after ben was sentenced he held a back the blue event in huntsville and he was the keynote speaker and i was like i gotta go to this like he has he has ben's case in his lap now i've got to contact this guy so i go to it and it's they have a dinner and he gets up there and he talks and you know he tells us and it's a bunch of cops you know, and he tells us, you know, I support you and people need to support you and people need to have, he made the comparison, the righteous anger that Jesus had when he flipped the tables. People need to have that anger against the people who hate police. Like we need to support police so much. So like back the blue, this defund the police movement shouldn't be, you know? And so he's, pro-police, police are the best, blah, blah, blah. So I go up to him afterwards, and uh, I went up to him, and I said, hey, Mr. Marshall, my name is Keelan Darby. And Ben's chief was standing right there, and so he did a quick introduction for me so I wasn't just blindly talking yeah. to him. And he's like, hey, this is Keelan Darby. She's a sergeant at this department, and this is what she does, and these are her qualifications, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I said, hey, and we have these business cards you know, it's a stand with Darby on it. And I said, hey, um, my name is Keelan Darby. I work for this de police, police department. I said, but my husband is also Ben Darby, the Huntsville police officer that was convicted of murder wrongfully two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I said, your, his case is now coming to your, to your desk. And you just said to all of us that you support police. I need you to do something about it. And I handed him our card. Mm -hmm. And um, he looked at it and looked at the ground. And the chief started saying something. And Marshall was like, you're a cop too? And I said, yes, sir, I'm a police officer as well. So not only does this affect me personally, because this is my husband, but professionally, when I go to work tonight, and if, if I get into a use of force situation, and if I have to pull the trigger on someone, <coughs> now I'm going to go to jail too for doing my job mm -hmm. as I'm trained. And um, I knew he couldn't talk to me about the case mm -hmm. because yeah. ethically he can't. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't going to allow that opportunity to pass by um a couple weeks after that we had a meeting with a post which is the police officer standards and training commission for alabama and we had a meeting with the head the chief secretary and 
we walked into that meeting and I said, Chief, um, 13A327 still on the law books in Alabama. He said, yeah. And that, what that is, is a police officer is authorized to use deadly force against an imminent threat. And I said, so we're still, I said, there's 10 police academies in Alabama. And he said, yes. And I said, and we're still teaching all new cadets in all 10 academies this statute. And he said, yes. I said, then why is my husband in prison? Hmm. We're still, we are teaching brand new baby cops this every day. But we're not backing them because now he's in prison for following the law. And he said, I can't give you an answer. So we have that meeting. Um, we get the support from you guys. We go to oral arguments. Um, our guys argued a great job. They did a great job of arguing the two points. Um, they answered the judge's questions. They didn't have any issues. The state, the, the uh, attorney general's attorney who had taken up the case did a horrible job. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, Horrible. Like, he couldn't have done a better job for us because yep. he did so bad. He was stuttering. He had, like, a st he had a stack of papers, and he was trying to prove some case law that he thought supported their position against Ben. And he's literally up there with a page, a stack of 40 pages, and he's like, um, it's in here somewhere. Um, there's a case law. Uh, hold on one second. And he's, he's fumbling through a stack of pages, and he can't find it. And he's like... Well, you guys have a copy of it, so you can find it yourselves. And it's like the whole everyone started laughing because nice. it's like, sweet man, dude, like Thanks you don't even know. Homework. Yeah, you're not even presenting a viable case against what you guys believe. And so they did a horrible job. Um, we took it as a victory, absolutely, um, and we waited. It was November, um, and then March 24th, so three three weeks ago tomorrow. Um, I was at work again, and I was sitting in court acting as the bailiff, and I get a phone call from our lawyers, and I can't answer it because I'm the only police officer in there, and I have to make sure that court is, you know, stays in order and everything. So I texted our lawyer. I said, give me five minutes. I'll call you right back. And I, it was a Friday, and Fridays are when decisions are made by the appellate courts. And so every Friday I would go to the website, even though our lawyers would tell us anyway. <laughs> but, you know, just in case they got busy or something happened, I would always check the website. And, you know, week after week after week, it was nothing. No, our case wasn't on there. And um, so I called our lawyers back, and he said, Keelan, we won the appeal. They just overturned <laughs> the case. Boom. <laughs> Unanimous. So it was all five. <clears throat> it was we needed three. Um, we got all five to overturn the case. So they overturned the conviction and remanded it back to trial. And they named chiefly the jury instruction, how the jury was not properly instructed, that Ben is a police officer and has to be viewed in the eyes of a reasonable police officer under the same training that he would have gone through mm -hmm. and that he did go through. To judge his actions. Yeah. And that because he wasn't, we are overturning his conviction and sending it back to trial. So I'm on cloud nine hollering, um, crying, you know. <laughs> um, one of the guys just pulled me into his office because I remember talking to our lawyer and all I hear was we won. And I'm not paying attention to everything else he's trying to explain to me. So I had to have him re-explain it and I got off the phone and I gave my friend a big hug. And just cried, you know. But now I got to wait for Ben to call me because I can't tell him. 
right? Because yeah. I can't, like, you know, there's no way. And so it took about 10 minutes, and Ben had called me, and um, he always, it, it always starts out with, hey, babe. That's always how he answered the phone, or when I answered the phone. And this time it was, well, hello. And he, I knew he knew, <laughs> you know. And uh, he's like, well, hello. And I was like, babe, we won the appeal. And uh, so we start, you know, we're happy about it. He's like, can you pull up the decision and see if they have a written decision on it, like uh, their opinion? And I said, yeah, so I'm pulling it up. And they issued a 62-page opinion on the case. So – not every just because they that seems like a lot. It's huge, <laughs> because not every case gets a written decision. You know, they can just say affirmed and not say anything, or they could say overturned and not say anything. But for Ben's case, they had a sixty-two page reason. They had a sixty-two page discussion as to why they're overturning the case. So um, I read that through with him, and then. Um, He's like, are you going to stay at work? And I was like, no, I can't concentrate. I got to call Eddie. I got to call Angie. I got to call all these people. I'm going home. So I went went downstairs and uh, to the main part of our department, and I saw a friend of mine, and she saw my face, and she's like, what is it? And I was like, Ben's coming home, and I'm yelling, you know, in the <laughs> in the department. And everyone's are, everyone starts peek, peeking their heads out and hugs and high fives, and, you know, this is great news. And I said, hey, Chief. Um, going home he's like yeah you're you're done for the day like we'll see you Monday <laughs> and um so the bar the ball starts rolling and we're waiting because the so the losing side always and it doesn't matter if it was us or if it was the attorney general we they would have 14 days to um reject that opinion by the court and so the attorney general had 14 days which was um last Friday the 7th yeah um, to issue an opinion on the court's decision. But again, it was a unanimous decision. All five judges overturned it, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So um, we're in contact, you know, the mm-hmm. whole time. Hey, have they said anything yet? No, we're still waiting. I'm on the phone with lawyers every day, still going to work, doing my thing. Um, I'm on day shift now, I'll say that. So life did get a little bit easier in January cause just trying to do everything. Um, and April 7th comes and they had, the attorney general had until, uh, 1159 that night to file something, which obviously it's close of business, but they can e-file it. So, um, our lawyer called me at 1201 and said, Hey, they didn't file anything. Well, it's Easter weekend. Um, Ben's not, you know, Ben should have got out Friday. He didn't. Now it's Saturday. It's cl- you know everyone's closed. No one's in the office. We can't post a bond through the clerk's office until Monday because the clerk's office isn't open. Well, Monday. So we go through the weekend. Um, I was off. I was scheduled off, and I had planned for Ben to be home. So I was kind of in a low spot because I had planned the weekend out, and you know he wasn't home. Uh, Monday comes on the phone with the lawyers. Have we heard anything yet? No, but some people take Monday as a holiday because of Easter weekend, so we may not hear anything today. I'm like, man, like they said it's it was the worst. They said it was overturned. <laughs> like it's 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 crazy how you're guilty, put the cuffs on, and forget about them immediately. Oh yeah, it's overturned, or you're considered innocent, or acquitted, or whatever word you want to use. 
ah, well, we're going to think about it and take our time. And eventually we'll come up, we'll come out and say what our, what our decision is, you know, just the, the vast difference in, in how both of those situations are handled. So, um, Monday comes and goes Tuesday. A lot has happened this week. So I'm like, give me a second (laughs) to think. Um, Tuesday, we're told, um, we're waiting on a certificate of judgment from Department of Corrections to be issued, and then once that's issued, Madison County will come and get him, and then he can, he'll can he be returned to headquarters, the jail and where headquarters in the jail was, and he should be able to post his bond. We are asking, or we have filed for a reinstatement of his original bond, which was $20,000, no restrictions. So Ben wasn't you know, there's no ankle monitor, there's no, you have to stay within these so many square miles, none of that. And I was like, okay. So then, um, today's Friday, Wednesday, still nothing. And so we had a contact with DOC. And so um, my father-in-law called him and was like, hey, you know, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. He makes a phone call. Wednesday comes and goes. And we're hoping it's Thursday. And so yesterday, um, we finally get the certificate of judgment, and yeah, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Today's, what is today? Today's, today's Thursday. 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 Okay, Thursday. sorry. It's been a, <laughs> oh, I like I it's been a week. Good. I'm trying to get it, get it right. Um, so yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday, yeah, we got the certificate of judgment at like 10.30, I think. Um, and I was at work, and so um, I took the call, and I immediately called. Um, so the phone call came from my lawyer. I called his dad, said, hey, we've got the certificate of judgment. And he said, are you headed to Huntsville? And I said, no, because they haven't moved Ben yet. Like, there's no point of me going out there and just sitting on my thumbs. I'll still be at work. I need to be busy. You know, I need my mind busy, not all over the place. So um, I had let you guys know, hey, we got the certificate of judgment. It should be within a couple hours. Yep. So. Um, I called our civil attorney because we're getting civilly sued on top of all this <laughs> by the family. So I called him and he had made a few phone calls. He said, hey, you need to do this and we'll, we should have an answer. So phone calls were made and um, we get told the paperwork has been submitted, but Ben isn't allowed to be released until the 14th. I'm sorry, the 13th, which is today. And <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He can't, why can't he be released right now? Again, he was found. Um, it was overturned. He's acquitted. He's no longer a convicted felon. He's been in prison wrongfully for almost 20 months, but more wrongfully for the last week because April 7th is when the time stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, he's no longer, you have nothing to hold him on other than the red tape of the legal system. And so um, they're like, no, we can't release him until the 13th. So um, his dad talked to someone in classification at the prison, and they said, um, we can't release him until the 13th. And he's like, okay. And she said, you can come get him at 12.01. So this was, I don't know, I was on the road headed down here. It was about 12 hours ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 12 hours ago, I got a phone call. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so so Bill called me, and he said, hey, as long as nothing changes by 530, 
I'm going to get Ben. And, like, I'm I'm losing it, you know, because I'm headed down here for the event. And Ben and I, t- we, we have talked because we knew when the, when the event, when we were told about the event and the plans were made for me to come down, he said, on the off chance that I'm released, you still have to go. Like, I know, like, I will see you and I, kn- I want to see you and I know you want to see me, but mm-hmm. you have to go. And it comes down to all that Pipe Hitter has done for us in the backing and the support and the opportunity and the funding. Could this have been another, could we, could I have come down at another time? Yeah, sure. But it was so important for Ben and I to have the opportunity to come for me to come to this. And again, to have everything that comes with pipe hitter being behind your name or having the Gallagher's behind your name. I couldn't pass this up. Yeah, you know, I, I wish I knew that it was going to be 12 hours ago because then we'd be like, and we have a surprise <laughs> guest. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we'll have, we'll have him down here for sure. Yeah. We'll come back for yeah. sure. Um, so I got a phone call at five thirty-five, and it was his dad and he said, it's, it, he's getting out tonight. And so I remember texting you, Dina, oh, yeah. and, um, it was, <laughs> it was, um, the, like the meme of, um, uh, the fairy godmother on Cinderella. And it's like when the, when the clock strikes 12, the curse is over or, or the spell is over. And I sent that and um, just, yes, it's a joke, but it's just like, like oh, it's, it's done. Like he's coming home. He's going to be breathing free. He's breathing free air right now. Like he's been free for the last 12 hours and 27 minutes, you know. Um, and so he got out and he called mm-hmm. me and I didn't have to hear the the lady say, this is Alabama Tormer Productions. Yeah. It was, hey, babe, I'm out, you know. And um, we talked for a few minutes. I went back to bed, woke up this morning. Um, we FaceTimed, and I saw him in freedom, you know, free air outside with people. Um, and it's still – it was it's public now, obviously. But, like, this morning it still wasn't public knowledge that he was a free man. He was no longer in custody. And um, people are starting to blow my phone up because they're like, hey, have you heard anything yet? Hey, I try to send him a message through the prison app, but it's not listing him as a prisoner anymore. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't answer this question. I can't answer this text, you know, and I just turned my phone off. <coughs> and um, so he's free. Like he's he's at home right now or he's with his parents. And um, that's awesome. Yeah. Do, do it's beyond you, awesome. Yeah. 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 Do you feel like through all this that you've been through, like some – in, in how y'all have grown spiritually, and even though it's like uh, corrupt, unjust, but like God w- has worked through that. Oh yeah, like there's so many things that we have seen from the get go. It's like that only happened because God allowed it to happen. Yep. God's allowing. In the, I mean, there's the question has been asked. You know, if God is such a good God, why is He making me go through this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever know. Um, but God has brought us this far. He's given us the victory through that. You know, um, on paper, Ben wasn't supposed to come home, have the chance of coming home until 2043. That's 20 years from now. Well, yeah, I, b- I believe that God has a plan for everybody. Right. And it doesn't make sense well, to us. Right. But he picks his strongest ones to his strongest believers too. He puts a lot on their plate 
because he, he knows you can handle it. Well, and I mean, that's that's biblical in itself because it's, I don't know the passage, but it says it in the Bible, in the New Testament somewhere, that God will give you the strength to go through the trials that you go through. Count it all joy when you fall into various yeah. trials. Yeah, yep. James maybe, I think. It's um, my favorite. Yeah, and he's, he's going to give you the strength and the fortitude to get through whatever your storm is. Um, and he's done that. Has it been hard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like the last five years of my life. And I mean, we've been married. It'll be seven years this October. This has been our whole marriage. You know, other than the first 18 months when we're still trying to figure each other out, you know, and we go through, we went through our honeymoon phase and all that. But it's like, this is all I've known. This is all we've known in our marriage, you know. Um, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, there's got to be there's got to be some highs. Um, <laughs> I need something. Um, but no, like it's a huge answer to prayer that he's home. Like I can't wait to go home tomorrow and see him. Like <clears> I'm going to go to the house and we were talking about this. I don't know if it was on record or not, but every time I come home, he's going to be there. When I have my duffel bag and my rifle bag and my lunchbox and whatever else I'm bringing in from my patrol car. I'm not carrying it in all by myself. I can unload half of it on him and the dog and then we can all go in, you know, like we used to two years ago. Um, I'm never going to go home to an empty house again. Um, I can call him whenever I want to. I don't have to wait for him to call me. I don't have to be guarded when I talk to him because no one's listening. I mean, NSA maybe, but like <laughs> the prison system's not monitoring every phone call that yep. we have. We're not getting, you know, when we were able to FaceTime through the prison system app, they could, they could live stream that and look into, into our meeting. I mean, we, we wouldn't know if they were, but they had that capability. You know, I don't, I don't have that anymore. I can just talk to my husband. I can talk to Ben Yeah, and not, have in the back of my mind, oh, I can't say this until, you know, because visitation was only once a month. I would have a lit. I would go into the prison every day or every every time, and this palm would be black because it would have all the information that I couldn't tell him over the phone was on my hand. Um, but it's not over. Like, yes, we've won. He's home. Um, but it's not over because it was remanded back to trial. Mm -hmm. So, and the district attorney has already said, we will retry this case. Yeah. But the good news is that original judge has recused herself. Yes. So we found out yesterday the um, his original judge was Donna Pate. She has recused herself from anything else to do with his case. So it's been reassigned to another judge. I think it's Judge Mann. I'm not really sure because I don't, I don't live and work in Huntsville, so I don't really know all that. But um, regardless, she's no longer the judge over the case anymore. Yeah, which is a huge blessing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Hopefully, this time you get a fair trial. Like in, I mean, got a you get a fair a, trial. We got a heck of more chance to this time because she won't be over it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot I can say on that, but I'm not going <laughs> to because I don't want to get in trouble. But um, no, it is a huge blessing that we have a new judge. Um, we're very, we were very happy to hear that. When's the new trial going to be? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be this year, just because of how slowly the legal system is. Um, quite frankly, I don't, th I think that me, and this is just Keelan conjecture, the earliest would be like next summer of 24. Yeah. Um, 
but I have nothing to base that off of. Obviously, next week, I'm sure we're going to be in our lawyer's offices um, figuring out what the next steps are. There's a lot of moving parts, um, and there has been, especially this past week. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how helpful was it to have Andrea, another Huge. wife that, I mean, she, just having someone that had been through exactly that? So we watched your guys' stuff go down, and I never realized that we were going to go through the same thing or very similar circumstances. Um, I never, honestly, I was, I didn't really think about that until last night, which is yeah. probably bad for me to not make that realization. No, well, you're then. going, you're going through enough yeah. that, you know, you're, you're in the fight. So, yeah, I was just, I was sitting, um, in the bed, just my mind was going, you know, and I thought Eddie and Andrew are the only two people that honestly understand. I mean, I guess I knew when we saw each other in December, we yeah. got together, I knew it then, but like, the only person that can honestly know every emotion and feeling and everything is Andrea. Yep. And then you. I, I mean, you've you and Ben. Are, From, I would on say Ben's the same. Side, yeah. You've got Ben's side of it, and I've Andrea has got my side of it. Um, it's horrible. Like it is the most helpless feeling because there's no playbook. I couldn't. I mean, until we had you guys in our corner and we had your support, I couldn't call anyone be like hey what do I do because in in Alabama that had never happened an officer was never charged and found guilty of an on-duty incident that he was previously cleared from um so I didn't have anyone like I couldn't no one could relate to me I mean people could man I'm sorry what you're going through and I really feel for you and I understand no you don't Mm -hmm. I know you're trying to be nice and I respect that but don't tell me you get it because you don't get it yeah you get it and Andrea gets it. Yeah, but no one really could really get it unless they've been through it. Like right. Yeah, and I don't. Have. You don't blame people for not getting it because it's right. they have not been through something like that before, and it, you can't put it into words just how frustrating, how difficult it is going through that fight. Um, it's from both sides, yours and Ben's. I'm sure Ben has his own, you know, um, battles that he fought while he was in there and trying to maintain his sanity. Right. But I'll tell you this, you know, you and Ben, but especially you, um, you are a shining example of what faith, perseverance, and grit can do. I, I mean, it's, I know it's because of God, but I don't know how I've made it this long, you know, um, because people are just like, how are you still, how are you still functioning? knowing that the job that you still do, you could end up in prison for. Um, Not knowing, you know, obviously Ben's home right now, but not knowing when he was coming home and looking at the next 20 years of my life, going to visit him once a month, um, waiting on an appeal to come back, that the judges had no timeline. Like, the only timelines in all this were when we had to submit our appeal. But until then, I mean, after that was done, they had all the time in the world. I mean, we we could still we could still be waiting. We're not, thank God. But there was no pressure or timeline for them to, hey, you have to make a decision in the Derby case by April twenty first. You know, um, it could have been till next Christmas. And trying to explain that to people because people are like, well, what's your next step? Well, we're waiting. Well, how long do you have to wait for? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what do you mean you don't know? 
there's no timeline. Well, how is there no timeline? And like people grasp, people can't, you can't grasp that because it's like, it's so wrong and this is so messed up. How is there not any relief coming soon? Yeah, it, it, I, I think you knelt like the word for it being helpless. It, it, first word that comes to my mind, it's because it's like, okay, what do I do next? Like, what's the next thing I can do? It's like, right. and you said playbook. It's interesting because Andrew says playbook a lot. It's the, like, it's the ultimate exercise in patience. Yeah. Um, I was joking with a friend of mine. I remember praying for patience as a kid. Um, for anyone listening, don't do that because <laughs> you will you get what you ask you'll for. You'll get what you ask for. Yeah. God has a sense of humor. But, um, you know, Ben's home. Um, I will get to see him in free air tomorrow. And um, it's nice knowing that we, yes, we fought this together this whole time, but he will physically be with me as we continue to fight this. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to have to game plan it and talk in code and yep. make a list of what I can, what I'm going to talk to him about at visitation. And, you know, because he, there's, he always had so many questions, rightfully so, because all he knew was his box. Like, all he saw, he hasn't seen all the interviews and the podcasts no, and the work. No, it's, that's going to take a while. Some time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't, that's, that's nothing against him. It's just, that's, he, there was no, the only, I remember the first time back in August, I did an interview, my first local interview with the local news, and he saw it. And he called me and he said, babe, I couldn't have asked for you to do a, a better job than what you did. And I'm so glad it's you. You're the one fighting for me. You're the one speaking out and telling everyone how messed up this is. Because it, the job that you've done, it just blew him away. And I was like, babe, you don't even know the half of it. Like that's. You saw a five-second clip, that, or, you know, a five-minute interview of, you saw five minutes of a 38-minute interview that they cut and pasted. Like, you don't even know the half of it, you know. And um, when I was talking to him this morning, he's like, hey, I got on the website, and it looks really good. It looks so much better than when we first started it back in May of 2021, you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've had, I've had some help, you know. People have taught me how to do things, and I've implemented that. And um, I'm just, I'm excited to have life again with him um, and to fight si shoulder to shoulder, side yep. by side with him. And, you know, this is going to take as long as it's going to take and we're going to fight this until it's done. And we'll be with you to the end. And that's something that, you know, you and Andrea both said to us several times and that's a, a big comfort to us knowing that we have you even after this is over with. Like, it's not just we're going to help the Darbies and it's going to – what's going to happen is going to happen and they're going to win and this is all going to work out. And then, it was, you know, nice knowing you. Like, this is a lifelong thing. Oh, no. You're, you part, of, you're part of a club part, now. Yeah, <laughs> we're part of the family, you know. And it's just – again, God orchestrated all this. We don't understand it. But the different little blessings of – providence that he's given mm -hmm. by getting your help getting mike's help just the little things that and it's only possible because of him you know and some people i've people they're like you know you over spiritualize it too much or whatever no our like i have a true faith i understand 
I have that relationship with him, and so does Ben. And we're here because of how God has gotten us here. You know, um, yes, and God uses certain people to make things happen. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's obvious with you guys. Well, and he also gave you the determination and perseverance, you know, and the love for your husband Mm -hmm. to keep fighting forward. I mean, that's all God. Yeah. You know. That's He's well, how you could keep going. work night shifts, how you could do that and then do the interviews. I mean, if people could see everything that you did on a daily basis, they'd be blown away because they'd be like, I, how in the world is this woman still operating? That's God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the same, I, same thing with Andrea, how mm-hmm. she was able to do all that. And I, I truly believe that, um, you know, and I don't care if people, are you over spiritualize or you like, I, I don't spiritualize enough. Yeah. Like that's what people don't understand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I almost, it's as a, a much of a nightmare as what you've been through and, you know, obviously what we've been through, it's a blessing in the end, mm-hmm. because just like I, you know, when I talk to Ben and you, like this pain will serve you well someday. And I stand by that a hundred percent. We are going to be with you to the end. I'm completely positive on the outcome that's coming. Yeah. Um, and I know that you guys have big things in store for you after this, because God does not put you something, put some, put you some. Uh, put you through something like this for no reason. Yeah. So and there's there's things that um, I can't go publicly into that have happened within the last 36 hours, and it's like, that's a God thing, that's a God thing, that's a God thing. God's obviously still in this. He yeah. hasn't left, you know. Um, and you'll be able to see that more and more as it goes on. I mean, you're always mm-hmm. looking back going, oh, like, you know, yeah. Eddie probably looks back now and goes, hey, you know what? Going through all that is worth it being able to help you guys. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, it's – I'm excited. I'm excited to see you're in Ben's journey. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely – like I said, we're going to keep fighting with you side by side and then get you guys – free and clear out of this. And I'm excited to see what you two are going to be doing after this. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's truly an honor to be helping you two. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Thank you. I mean, you are, you're a warrior. So well, thank you. So. I, yeah. When I first, when I first read, I just skimmed a little bit cause I wanted to hear it directly from you, but I was like, this is a mini Eddie and Andrea. <laughs> this is like a younger <laughs> version of, of what you guys went yeah. through. Yeah. But I, if, before we close up, yeah. will you give plug like people that go, hey, they want to support you? Yeah. Um, so obviously they can go to pipehitterfoundation.org, um, and they on the website there's a um, description of of Ben. It's his his picture from um, when he was on on duty, and just a brief description of him. And then if they want to donate, they can click on that, um, and whatever dollar amount it'll go straight to us. And I'll say this. Every penny that we get goes to legal fees. I don't live off of it. I live off of my paycheck from my department, and that's it. You know, and then, I, I mean, I've had people pay my rent some night or some months or, hey, I'm going to pay your, your utility bill or whatever. But, like, every penny goes towards legal fees. I'm not living off it. I'm not traveling on it. I'm not... You're not in the Bahamas. Not in the like. Bahamas, you know. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that. Um, it goes strictly to legal fees. And then we have our website, standwithdarby.com. Um, the pipe fitter, pipe hitters link is also there. If people want to donate, just go directly either to their website or our website. And then our website also has a lot of different material, um, 
explaining all of this. Documents from our appeal, um, the reasons why, our motion for a new trial and all 33 of those reasons. Um, a case that the Attorney General decided in 2018, Steve Marshall, uh, decided in 2018 how he could not ethically charge a police officer with murder because of all the case law that we supported and how we basically called him out and he has yet to answer why that's okay for that officer, but it doesn't apply to Ben Darby. Mm -hmm. um, that's, a whole, that's a whole other issue. But um, about Ben, you know, people want to know more about him and how he was raised and what he likes to do. You know, just different little things. Um, all, most, a lot, I'll say a lot, because it's not most and it's not all, um, of the shows that I've been on. This will be on the website uh, once it gets published. Um, my Cleared Hot podcast with Andy is on there. Both my podcasts with Mike Glover are on there. Um, so Pipe Hitter. Pipe Hitter and Foundation. Stand and then by StandWithDarby.com. And then obviously um, all social media is at Stand with Darby. So Facebook, awesome. Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having yeah, me. Yeah, Keelan, thank you. Thank you for coming down here. <laughs> and uh, we are going to do this event tonight and then get you back to Ben as soon as possible. Yeah, uh, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Out. All right, out.